Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 151. I'm your host, M, and with me is now your guy, Coast Jackson. What's up? And a special guest uh, co-host, Dia. Hi. This is the uh, third time you've been on this year. I know. Yeah. Well, it's a special weird. year. It's so true. So, uh, 151 would not give away the reality of the situation, but this is our 10th anniversary podcast. Congratulations, we're a decade old. 10 years Congra- of podcasting. Genuinely 10 years of excellence. Can't believe it. <laughs> Congratulations, you two. Like, this is this is very impressive. I, I'm... I'm... You probably just, said I, 10 years of excellence on episode 10, not realizing. Yeah, no, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just finished um, I just finished the Demon Turf episode last night, so episode oh. 150. And so now I am caught up on all 10 years uh, of extant output from you two. That's well, so we're, uh, we got to outlive all of our contemporaries. Um, oh yeah, it's just us and watch out for fireballs. They started first. We're staring them down. It, yeah, watch out for fireballs still going. Uh, Retronauts, I think, is still going. We got to outlive them, or I, I won't rest. My my soul will <laughs> walk the earth. Uh, it's not a podcast, but like Aaron Signal started around the same time. You know, I'm I don't feel I don't feel the like professional competitiveness about it with Aaron Signal. Well, I don't the same I, I don't have your professional competitive. I, I'm mostly just like looking at man. The the anyone who lasts more than five years, I'm like, man, that's that's impressive considering how short careers are in games media stuff because of how bad things you are. You turn to dust. Yeah, you either get a staff job somewhere and are burnt out on that already and have been fired seven times, or uh, you go do some anything else because there's no money or attention for video games. And then there's us. <laughs> and then there's us still fucking going. We have an anime podcast. That's how we're still going. <laughs> that is true. Um. That is absolutely true. But you haven't moved the main, you haven't moved abnormal mapping behind a paywall yet. And I would never. I mean, like, basically, I don't think I get any notifications from Retronauts anymore because it's all, I'm pretty sure, paywalled at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, Um, like the main podcast is paywalled? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I don't get I, I, like I don't get a single update from that. I don't like, think I don't like, like paywall like abnormal mapping. Well, one we don't release podcasts early because I don't edit them early enough to do like oh you get it a week early sort of. Yeah, shit. we're not the kind of machine <laughs> that can do that. Um, um, and um, and uh, I don't think we it would like categorically like raise the amount of money we make if we paywall abnormal mapping. I think it would just decrease our listenership, which would be annoying. Like you know. Um, I want people to go look at our game list and go, they covered that thing, and then listen to an episode. That's really, like, my end goal. They're all there. They're all mostly listenable. That's what <laughs> I did. Jackson would argue about that, but... They're mostly listenable. I mean, I feel that, like I was 19 when we started. Yeah. Um, and now I'm 29. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, only a month. I was <laughs> turned, I turned 30 next month, and I turned 20 when we, like, between episodes one and two. Um, there you go and so the early stuff I definitely feel very embarrassed about and also like I've barely played it. if you go listen to that link to the past episode and I just like bou- I'm bouncing off the most like <laughs> smooth easy game of all time because all I've done is spent uh, like five years playing 360 games recommended by Giant Bomb um, like I'm just out of the culture in a weird you know I've been now I've come out the other side and I am fully an annoying weeb action gamer uh, only limited by my physical ailments lately. Uh, but I do remember playing Link to the Past on an emulator on, on ZSNES in 2013. Um, I guess it'd be early 2014 and being like, oh, it's so difficult. 
what do I do? Now I'm in the second world. And I just then, what a child. Have you replayed it since you became like original Zelda sicko? Yes, yes, I did. I did uh, go back through Link. And you were like, what is this frictionless bullshit? (laughs) I was like, what is this frictionless bullshit? I much prefer Link's Awakening. Um, It does have a vibe that Link's Pass does not have. Uh, yeah, but Link the, I thought Link to the Past was... <laughs> the is, I actually thought it was kind of mid on both ends, but from very different <laughs> uh, very different worldviews. And when I say mid, like, not you know, I like Link to the Past. It's a good game, classic game. Uh, Link's Awakening is just more my speed. But you were not going to court the haters like I do when I talk shit about Super Metroid. You're like, no, don't come at me. I know it's good. I'm just saying some words. I'm like, no, fuck Super Metroid. You you did court the haters over Super Metroid. And people still are like, Jackson should play Super Metroid. And I may one day. I'm not, you should. I'm not anti-Super Metroid in the way you are. Like, I'm, I'm not not even anti super metroid i just super metroid people need to chill it's fine they you do. have one of the most beloved games of all time i just because i don't think it's that good compared to other metroid games shut up who cares the the operative there but <laughs> word there is compared to other metroid games yeah metroid's pretty fucking good yeah i know you know and it's not metro prime 3 <laughs> or or other m um yeah Anyway, we're not here to talk about Metroid. We're here to talk about games that people have played in the last month. That's true. Can I go first? Because I have a lot of them. You always fucking have a lot of them. Let's go then. I'm the gamer. Uh, all right. So first game is Retro Mystery Club Volume 1, the Ize Shima case. Okay. Which is a short uh, visual novel in the style, like adventure game. It's basically what if we made Portopia in the style of a fake Famicom game that you can get on your Switch and your Steam. Um, it, uh, volume 1 implies there's going to be more of them, but it's only the first one right now. It's by developer Happy Meal. They got, like, the illustrator of all of those games in the 80s to do, like, all the character art, so it just has the, uh, the authentic vibe. Uh, but it isn't, like, super obtuse. It's very, like, you just played through the mystery. It's, it, there's, there's like, a murder that happens, and you invest the investigate the pearl uh, industry of uh, this area in Japan in the 80s, and it's pretty good. That's all. It's good. It's pretty cheap, and it was like four hours long, so I can recommend that. There you go. Uh, then I played Shadow the Hedgehog Reloaded. You sure did. Which uh. is a mod um, for Shadow the Hedgehog, um, specifically the GameCube version, uh, when emulated, that fixes a lot of the requirements, bugs, progression systems of Shadow the Hedgehog, which is a game that I've always wanted to play. Um and uh makes it much more approachable uh the goals for the various routes are much shorter or much less demanding um and you only have to get three endings to see the true ending and like path endings instead of all 10 of them yeah which is great um i just went full neutral full evil full good saw the ending pretty happy with that um shadow the hedgehog is really good in this version which (laughs) fixes a lot of the notorious problems with shadow the hedgehog i really liked it as a sequel to sonic adventure 2 um Shadow just fucking... I think the gun is pretty good. Like, all the gun stuff's pretty, like, solid. That's like the weapon. fucked up part, is that, like... <laughs> when I when I play Shadow of the Hedgehog, because I've only played it on the Xbox, I've, I've got an Xbox copy. Um, I haven't played Reloaded. And, like, everyone's correct. The part where you are, like, chasing one guy around the end of a map to fight your fucking objective is so annoying. The collect yes. enemies design is so antithetical to how Sonic levels work uh, that it does overshadow the entire game. Uh, uh, <laughs> cut down it. Uh, I thought I, I thought I thought I was gonna get away with that. And you're like, no. ah, ah, ah. Uh, but once you take that out, it's like as a sequel to Sonic Heroes, which is a totally 
really cool Sonic game with kind of awkward controls. Uh, and no story. The other and, thing about Sonic Heroes, fucking yes. no story. But like as a feel, right? Like Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, yes. Sonic, Sonic Heroes has incredible levels on on Sonic mode. Sonic mode specifically, I'm talking about here, yeah. uh, with some kind of dog shit physics. Um, yeah. And Shadow of the Hedgehog just continues that trend of having like cool levels to go through uh, and shooting guys rather than doing homing attacks and like chaining like your uh, like projectiles in your uh, between your jumps feels really good. It's yeah. one of those things that I wish they had like found a way because obviously I was making fun of the aesthetics of a hedgehog with a gun. It's the most 2005 thing ever. Uh, but mechanically, I think there's like a, something to learn there, right? It is fun to uh, yes, like. I feel like they guys. should put Shadow in more games and give him a gun still. <laughs> yeah, they only, they only put Shadow in again one game after this. Now he's never yeah. showed up again. Yeah, um, but this is the game that involves the U.S. president feeling betrayed that Shadow might have joined the evil aliens by looking at the picture of Sonic and Shadow on his desk. Like, remember when they saved the Earth? Like, you know, if you care about Maria and Ark, Shadow the Hedgehog's got your back. And I do care about Maria and Ark, is the thing. It's true. Shadow the Hedgehog uh, died for humanity's sins. Um, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it's a different guy, kind of. I think. Yeah, I don't actually know. I don't know how. I know Sonic. I know Sonic Adventure Two and Heroes. I don't actually know how this resolves exactly. Uh, in uh, in in Shadow of the Hedgehog, he's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Shadow's very good. Um, I would not play the original. If you have the opportunity to play this uh, emulated version, you should do that. Um, because uh, everything about the progression of that game, even in the reloaded version, can be a little much. And the idea that it was way more stringent, I'm like, Mm-mm, I would not have played this video game. <laughs> Yes. There's a reason people fucking hate it. Like, it's not made yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. But I do think people making fun of its, uh, like, aesthetic and, like, story stuff uh, miss the point. It's pretty good. That stuff's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's doing that anymore. No, but people sure did at the time. Now everyone is very nostalgic for your edgy mid-2000s bullshit. Yeah. Um, then I played Half-Life. <laughs> that was this month? Beanbag that was this, was this year? The the Valve shooter from uh, 1998. Oh, oh, sorry, I thought you meant a different Half-Life. I'm just telling people. Um, this is a game I've always wanted to play. We we talked about maybe doing it once upon a time for Abnormal Mapping, and then uh, Journal Updated did it. Uh, check them out in secondbestgame.club. Uh, they are a sister podcast of ours, and uh, it's freed us. But then I played it. Um, the thing that I didn't know about Half-Life, because I'd only played the first quarter of Half-Life, is that most of Half-Life is three identical soldier-type guys running at you, firing assault weapons at you constantly. And there's hundreds of them. Uh, yeah, that's, that's correct. And that, it's fucking boring. <laughs> to be honest, didn't like Half-Life very much. And then, and that's even before you get to, like, the dog shit ending with all the bad platforming that literally everyone on Earth hates. Yeah, um, that's, that's just, that's, that is famously complained about by everyone on the planet. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it was like, it was fine. I see why people like it, but you could play better shooters. Um, am I, just to clarify, we are, the official stance of this podcast is that Shadow of the Hedgehog is better than Half-Life. Yes. Okay. Duke Nukem 3D is better than Half-Life. Oh, well, now that's we're a starting lot of the same shit. things, honestly. <laughs> now you're starting shit. That, that one, that's, that, that's actually a real war, not just us shit posting about the Sonic I don't care. Like. Uh, this is just how I feel about it. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, Turok Dinosaur Hunter is better than both of them put together. <laughs> <laughs> you love Turok. I've never played I Turok. do love Turok. Turok's really good. Wait, which Turok? Um, the original Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Okay. Yeah. I've not played Turok 2 yet. It's on my agenda for this coming year, probably. Um, Anyway, uh, someone else go, because after that I have more, but I kind of split them up. (laughs) 
Um, did you want to go? Or should I go with my one? Yeah, million? I um, aside from the things that I've had to review and the the let's plays we've been doing, yeah. I I got the Digital Eclipse Wizardry, and I've been oh. playing that. Yeah. Um, I I will tell you a story. I got the Digital Eclipse Wizardry, and I booted into it. And I played like a little bit and my healer died and I was like, ah, shit, I don't have the money to revive her. So I'll just roll a new healer because they're all level one. I rolled the new healer, went back into the dungeon and then my old healer like glitched back to life. And I was like, oh, this game's not ready yet and haven't played it since then. No, it, it is. It is not. It's really funny because it's like, you know, we they, they are literally lay, layering a new game on top of the old game is what it feels like. And it it's like the two do not mesh well at all. And they are trying to like do like the restoration painting like mm-hmm. thing, and um, I guess the thing is it's fine. Um, eventually they will they will iron out the weird the weird quirks. They will iron out the bugs. They will get it all running smoothly. I have no doubt about that. They will replace the placeholder art with with you know proper final art, and at the same time I will still say that you know. I don't know why we're doing this is really kind of where I'm like you if you want to play wizardry like just OG ass wizardry Japan has you covered in like every possible way um you you don't there, you don't get anything from wiz- the original wizardry anymore like playing through it I'm just kind of like there's like a million other wizardry clones and spin-offs and you know the wizardry renaissance that happened and we only got a fraction of those in america but um dressing up wizardry is what you know countless developers have been doing for 40 years my thing my thing that i think is weird and maybe this will change is it because it's an early access is there's no button to like take away all of the redress and just give me wizardry running in a modern exe I think I think they will eventually probably get to there because that would be the only like I was kind of like, well, can I just cause, you know, if I have to if I have to go to DOSBox for something, I want to kill myself because <laughs> yeah. DOSBox is the worst experience I have ever had with a computer. Um, it's worse. It's worse than DOS in like the 80s. Like it's like I would rather work on like a like a 386 running like MS DOS than I would DOSBox ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, like wizardry or like, you know, or I guess wizardry would be the, they're running the Apple two code. They're not running any of the, the other ports. So, um, like I would rather just run like the Apple two wizardry. Like I, I remember instead of this layer on top of it, because that's what everyone else has done. Every other, every other wizardry in the world is basically, we took the original wizardry. We made some quality of life improvements. We changed the art. Here you go. Are there quality of life improvements? Because like, isn't just the original code? I don't actually know what like the there are. Yeah, there's some quality of, but it's it's very. It's I mean it's you know you can't even do mouse input. Like the last I played, it was it was still, you know, all the keyboard commands and everything. Like it's it is it is wizardry as wizardry. There's a few little like kind of easements, and I think they're going to put more in. Um, you can toggle Mm -hmm. some shit. Uh, I'm not as um negative on it as you conceptually because i'm like i've never played wizardry i would like to play the original wizardry in a version that like works easily on modern pcs and that's not this yet because it's so early uh i assume they'll get there but i do look at it and go like uh the resource intensity seems like a little 
uh, off in terms of what I would want. What I would want would just be a nice layer uh, of the original with an auto map system and like the quality of life stuff uh, for like the first three games. Because every other Wizardry releases the whole trilogy and not um, just Wizardry one. Right, and but the thing at that at that point I would say is the instant you add auto mapping, you're not playing Wizardry one anymore. That's fine. I'm. I you can. Ha- I'm not a boomer about this. I have no. I have no, no. compulsions. And, that, and that's the thing. It's like I know that's like that's that is like that is very much a me thing. But it's like it, I, I'm at that point. I'm like, literally, once once you change some funda like that is you know not having an auto map is a fundamental you know distinction of wizardry. Like you have to sit there and pull out a piece of paper and chart your own way. And if you don't, you are fucked. That's wizardry, baby. Like that's that's Wiz one. You know, once we get beyond that, things start getting weird. But like, if you're gonna make the original wizardry and make a big deal about we're reviving the original wizardry, the mm-hmm. instant you put mapping in there, nah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I let it as like on some level true, but it's also like I wouldn't be. I'm not gonna be playing the mapping version. Right? I'm just not going to be doing that. I'm not interested yeah. in that. Um. Uh. So. Like, where is the line of, like, which part is worth it, right? Like, is it worth um, bringing Withedry over if you're going to make these concessions to make the uh, children like me be like, yeah, maybe I'll give Withedry a shot. Uh, there's a good, um, I strongly recommend the um, uh, recent errant signal on uh, the um, uh, System Shock remake, which is about this. Like, mm-hmm. about, like, System Shock is a game about, like, the mouse and the way the mouse, like, changes things and like you reload by moving things from the mouse to the like gun and then the gun you like mouse look aiming but you're not changing your view uh and like fundamental changes are made um by making like a new version of the game where your like view is centered uh, and you're just not playing the same game anymore but also like if they didn't do that then no one would fucking play the original system shock uh where where is the line of like preserving these things i was like good video one of my favorite ones of his in a long while so i strongly recommend that one yeah, I mean, I, I like I agree with that. Like, I, I, no, no one. If if people wanted to play Wiz One, Wiz One would still be available. Yeah, no one wants to play that. I don't want to. I, I don't want to play <laughs> that. That's the reason why Wizardry Labyrinth of Lost Souls by fucking I think it's a claim actually. Um, is is like one of my top played Wizardry likes, you know, in my library on Steam because it fucking slaps. It is the Wizardry that I would want to play in 2023 it has auto mapping it has you know sick anime art it's got you know uh, a, a gay dungeon char that just kind of wanders around being a gay dungeon char like That's pretty cool yeah like it's it's got more of a story to it than whiz one like it's got <laughs> there's, there's all the quality of life that people said okay that was great that was the limits of the apple two. what more can we do with this and then they oh, that, did that. That game was a choir? Damn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But acclaim. <laughs> no, acclaim. <laughs> I, I guess I'm like, acclaim? You, the, 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 the guys that shut down before they could publish Juiced. They're <laughs> making a wizardry. Um, That's the wizardry renaissance right there. <laughs> I was so confused when you said acclaims. I had to go look up and I was like, oh, a choir. Yeah, that makes way more yeah. sense. <laughs> you busted this out between where the samurais, but yeah, I've also been playing Lamplighter League. I haven't played nearly enough of that, but it's the new harebrained scheme game that is, uh, you know, uh, 
alternate 1930s um, uh, quasi supernatural squad saving the world from quasi Nazis um, who want to do bad shit um, with ancient relics. It's XCOM. Um, it's it's XCOM with a real time exploration component um, and some procedural generation. It's it's great. Like I love it. Uh, how um how broken is it? Because like they fired half like eighty percent of the team two months before they fucking launched. Yeah, uh, like fuck it, paradox. It runs okay. Um, okay. Like, there are some things where it's like you look at and you kind of go. I feel like if they had, um, you know, uh, 80% of their team back for those two months. Yes. <laughs> I think it would have made a difference coming in the final stretch when you don't fire your entire team and then go, oh, yeah, no, we'll it write re- this game off. Oh, it you. really sucks because it's like, like playing it, I'm like, you know, I like I like all the characters. All the characters are fun. They have unique mechanics. They bring something to the squad. Like when I like when I like, you know, when I make choices about what who is going on missions and things like that, I like the I like the way it does the real time thing, um, which is something that like there was another game that did the real time kind of turn bait like uh, XCOM thing. What the fuck was it? There were like mutant ducks in it. Uh, I know the one you mean, the post-apocalyptic one. Yeah, that one. Um, um, I I barely I got a, I barely got a chance to actually touch that, but that what I played of that was was kind of fun, and I liked that, and I like I like the way um, Lamplighters League makes the turn base and the you can you can toggle in and out kind of at will. I um, was right, Mutant Year Zero. That's the one you're thinking of. Yes, um, I knew it had like a ridiculous name, uh, but Lamplighters League. Uh, it's 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 all there it's just like if they had like there's if they had their team and they had the time Mm -hmm. would have been a nice polished product that would have been like hey here's you know here's indiana jones XCOM. yeah like could have been sick and instead, actually, it was still just good. Just like you're like, man, you can really feel the scars of the fact that they. Uh... You really, yeah, and that's and I think that's like that's like you know the 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 hardest part is you can feel like there are parts where it just feels like mm, you didn't get to finish this. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, it's another. It's not quite as jarring as like, uh, Isolith in D- Dark Souls, um, where everything <laughs> or you know becomes just like clone stamped and and is completely unfinished. But there are just like, you know, you can see like, oh, you would just kind of stitch that hem together. You didn't actually finish the hem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a shame, but also cool. Um, it's like, it's good. Guys. I think it's still on Game Pass. So like if you've got Game Pass, check it out. It's worth it. Um, mm. It's worth like spending like an hour or two. The tutorial's pretty quick. Um, and it's, it's very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how many more games do you have? <laughs> Uh, that's a complicated question. So the next thing I have is um, I've been reading The Secret History of Mac Gaming Expanded Edition, I'm a book so excited about this by Richard Moss um, that I got as a birthday present from Destiny. It's part of Bitmap Books. He originally self-published it, but Bitmap Books picked it up and reprinted it. And it's they they go out of print like they you know they and then they print more so if you go to their website and you see the books there um and they're not they're sold out just like follow their twitter account because they reprint pretty regularly uh because i've had this problem um but um they're really nice they ship from the uk so they're a little pricey but they're really nice for the price because they're like 40 dollars a book shipped and they're big hard covers that are just they got color pages and uh it's nice i don't know I, i recommend them i have a lot of their books um 
you get a PDF if that's uh, your speed. Uh, you can't buy the PDF separately, though. Um, anyway, uh, I didn't know shit about Mac gaming. That is my thing. I never had a Mac. I uh, Nobody I know had a Mac. Uh, PC games, computer games in general, just outside of my purview, like the great undiscovered country of my personal gaming history. Um, and this book has been incredible about informing me about this thing. Um, so I got Mac emulator set up. Um, which is like a, its own weird hellscape <laughs> um, because there's like three major Mac emulators, depending on which version of Mac OS you want to emulate. Actually, there's four, but I don't need PowerPC emulation. So um, there's mini VMAC for classic Mac stuff. Uh, there's Basilisk 2 for like Mac OS like 8-ish, um, 7 and 8. And then there's Sheep Shaver for everything like pre like 9 and down. Um and that's like a narrow window, but there might be a couple things I want to play that require Sheep Shaver. So I've gotten that stuff set up only to play the oldest, crustiest games of the 80s. Um, I've played Letter Forms and Illusion, which is a 1989 piece of software by Scott Kim and Robin Fee Samuelson, who, which is an, it is like a, it's like a, it's like a program that teaches you all of the like, mac art tools for yeah. like lassoing and flipping and stuff but through the guise of a bunch of like optical illusion puzzles um because the thing about mac gaming is you were talking about like oh the mouse revolutionized gaming is that everyone who got a macintosh suddenly was like oh everything has is driven by a mouse and windows now and every game is like structured to be pushed that way and it's so antithetical to how games were being run on pcs through a keyboard with a bunch of bespoke buttons um and it's really interesting to see how many games are just like look like software, you know, just like this is a drawing program, but it's the video game because it's all presented the same way. That's what I was going to ask you. When you emulate, um, you're you're not just emulating the game. You're emulating the actual no, I am, Mac OS desktop, I am desktop, emulating right? a yeah, Mac OS desktop and I load the disk up and I open the disk like I'm opening it on a real computer. Because that, that was such a huge deal, you know, um, using uh mac os back in the day yeah. like was 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 like no like the game would would the game would run in a window yeah like <laughs> just on your desktop and yeah. the desktop is part of the game experience that's really like the menus are just the system menus on the top of the os mm -hmm. right like <laughs> there's no there's no bespoke <clears throat> menu inside the video game nope um and then i also played uh drachmith castle which is a 1991 uh adventure game that's Oh, I don't remember the name of the program. It was like a design your own, like pre hypercard like adventure game module that people all got way, way into. Um, and uh, it had incredible art. And that's why I got it. But it is a piece of shit video game. <laughs> I feel oh, world builder. World builder is the program. Um, it is about, uh, oh, you have to go get a, get an elixir from an evil mage who's holding it hostage over your town because everyone's got a weird disease. And every screen, there's like six different things to click and five of them will kill you. And good luck. I hope you save a lot. Um, one of those style of games. Um, big pain in the ass. <laughs> but the art's really good, is the thing. Uh, you're ridiculous. This whole Mac quest is ridiculous. I guess it's like cool, but I'm like, man, oh, M set up that Mac emulator now. Yeah, that's yeah. A whole, that's a whole world of games. If you go to MacintoshRepository.org, uh, all one word, you have to sign up for an account. Otherwise, you can only download one piece of software every 30 minutes. It's like one every minute once you do sign up current account. The accounts are free. Okay. Uh, they have thousands of fucking things for you to enjoy. Um, yeah, just tons of software through this like an entire 15 year era. And they're all really small because they're all old programs and you just load them up and you have a good time. And I don't know. It's been a fun thing to poke at. I will probably continue to poke at it. 
Um, Richard Moss has a book on shareware PC games that I also bought. Um, it's on my table that I'm probably going to read after this MacBook. Nice. Uh, that's it. For, uh, I have more, but I was going to let you go next, Jackson. Uh, yeah, no, uh, the only real game I've played in my continuing multiple years of being prevented from going gaming mode by my body um, <laughs> is I've played a bunch of Forza Motorsport, uh, the Forza game that just came out, which um, is not a video game, uh, but it is pretty good. Uh, by which I mean they didn't design a video game. They forgot to make a video game. Uh, they made a lot of cars and a lot of races you can do with those cars. But there's no video game there. There's no career mode. You, there's just a series of races you can do. The uh, uh, Here's my thing. A lot of the complaints about it are complaints about the um, uh, car XP system, uh, which is about how you have to drive the car to unlock upgrades to uh, further upgrade the car. And I think a lot of those complaints... I really miss the forest for the trees because they're usually about the speed of the unlocks and how long it, it takes too long to unlock stuff in your car. Uh, whereas the actual problem is there's just no thought out universal progression system at all. They just have this one car XP thing, which is a nothing. Um, it takes it if you want to like upgrade things and get into like a competitive racing. It takes too long. Um, if you want to like have an actual gradual progression through. Uh, a single player career mode it, it, it takes too short a time and there's nothing it doesn't even like tie into that properly because uh, the events don't tie into each other uh there's no like it's not like there isn't a career mode there are a series of events but the events are just here's you pick a car do a series and then pick a different car and do a different series there's no like this series unlocks uh this amount of money and now you can sign up for this one right there's no like interconnectedness uh, in the design of anything um obviously it has the classic forza thing where uh every time you pick a race and upgrade your car no matter what you do the opponents are adjusted like power level wise to meet you um so why do anything then if it doesn't make any fucking difference to the race um and so that's all annoying. It's very annoying that the game continues to just be barely a video game uh, in terms of the design sensibilities I'm looking for. However, uh, it drives well. I like to drive around the tracks. I think it is fun. Uh, I think it feels good. Uh, so I spent the bulk of my time in the like time trial mode where I can set times against friends. And I'm like, finally, I have things to like aim for uh, and like ways to improve and uh, like a sense of actually moving through this game and not just like endlessly doing races that I can set to being as easy or as difficult as I want. Um, and so it's weird. It's just so weird that a game could be so uh, expensive, so full of stuff. So like there's so many cars, there's 20 tracks, which isn't like it's too many, but there's, there's enough tracks for now and they're going to add more as they go. Um, and there's like 500 cars. Uh, it's not lacking for like content, but it's lacking for structure and like a, a, the ability to like feel like you're making any progress whatsoever uh, in a fucking video game, which is what I would like to do, even if it's a car, car driving game. Um, so frustrating, but um, I've been having a decent time uh, racing my friends and beating Jen on Maple Valley. <laughs> All right. Um, my last three. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um so I played Game Ten Goku Cruisin' Mix Special, which is the Windows re-release of uh the Sega Saturn game Game Ten Goku, the Game Paradise, which is a 1995 vertical shmup from Jalico, uh, which is kind of like a Parodius, but which is the Konami series, uh, but for Jalico games about a girl who um 
defending she takes over an arcade with her like evil scientist 90s anime girl genius and then an evil guy tries to steal the arcade from her and she wires up all the boards together and the heroes of all of jellico's games go into the computer to fight this guy in a shmup where they all got powers um i found out about this game because its sequel on the playstation was covered in a sean shonson video if you don't listen to sean shonson or watch his videos on youtube they're really good he is the guy who's uh unearthing obscure playstation games and making videos about them they're very fun videos to watch um and he was like the second game's kind of mid just go play the first one uh it's on switch and pc if you want uh, if you can't if you don't have a saturn because the game is expensive um and so i got it on steam um in the shmup sale and it's good uh, like every 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 Jalico hero plays a little differently. They have slightly different mechanics and stuff. You get a bunch of like wingmen who fight for you. Um, you go through the arcade. So you start in like just the arcade and then you fight like a claw machine. And then you, you like go into like a normal, like 1942 style shooter. And then you go into a racing game as like the cars are racing underneath you. You go into like the arcade boards and like fight the chips. Um, it's just like inventive and silly over its eight stages or six stages. Um, and it's neat. I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about classic uh, Jalico where I'm like, oh, characters from Formation Z doesn't really do anything for me. But that's all right. <laughs> I can work backwards. Um, mm -hmm. The the Saturn, ver it's an arcade game originally. The Saturn version has a bunch of like character stuff where they interact with each other. That's all in this special um, just like little like asides or like, oh, who's going to be the team member? And they all play rock, paper, scissors about who's going to be the team member to fight evil. Um, dumb stuff like that. Um, I had a great time with it. I guess my one question is, is Clarice from City Connection in it with her little Honda? I think she might be a DLC character. Damn. <laughs> in the in the modern release. Um, let me let me go look and see who the DLC is. Like, I'm just like, trying to think of like, like Jalico yes. characters so, that I even remember. And I'm just like Clarice from City Connection. Like that's the that DLC hurt. characters are Clarice from City Connection. Uh, Homeru Bonto from Bases Loaded. He's a baseball guy. Yeah. Um, uh, this one just says Tatsujin DLC from the game Tatsujin. I don't know anything about Tatsujin, but yeah, I, um, during the shmup sale, because this is like an obscurity from Jalico that nobody actually cares about all everything, all the game, the DLC, incredibly expensive. I picked it all up on sale because <laughs> I was like, the game's like 40 bucks and the DLC is like $10 a character. And it was all like 60% off. So I picked it up for that. Cause I was like, I'm never going to play full price for this shit. Um, but yes, they do have Clarice if you would like to play as Clarice. In fact, I'm going to put the <laughs> DLC page for uh, Clarice and her car in here. And you can uh, see the all of the bullshit about her driving this car. <laughs> it's her little Honda. Yeah. Oh, good. You could do the... You, she literally has little Honda in the shmup. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next game I played is Jet Set Radio Future. You sure you've gamed so hard. I'm so jealous. <laughs> the 2002 game by Smilebit for the Xbox. Got an Xbox emulator set up, got Zemu set up, got a Duke controller. You can hear about that on VoIP Life uh, to play Jet Set Radio Future. Jet Set Radio Future is really weird because I don't think it's a great game. I think it's kind of a mess, but it's got fucking style and I, I enjoy rolling around in it, despite the fact that it controls fucking terribly. Um, you don't need controls when you can uh, hit a rail and listen to uh, IL-10. So the thing, 
the thing about this game is I was talking to Jackson about it and I was like, yeah, it's it's really nice when you're first going around spraying all the graffiti, but then you have to go through the levels and do a bunch of like fucking checkpoint races and fighting guys by spraying them in the back and uh, all the other stuff. And Jackson was like, I played that game when I was eight and I just played the like first parts of areas. And I don't really remember the game beyond much of the point where you spray down every area for the first time. And I was I, like, that I explains a lot of your affection. I definitely got a little further than the sewers because I remember like getting beat back, yeah. but I didn't get like into like the back half of the game at some point. Um, oh, you can get get to the era where the the fucking yakuza gang is using new age music to brainwash everyone and turn them all square because music is the freedom. <laughs> I don't know. I was like I said, I was ten when I'm, I was playing that game. It was very very uh, early in my having an Xbox. Yeah, um, it's fun, but I think that you you never turn p- particularly well. Um, the jump is bad. It really needs like a when I'm on a rail, I should be able to fucking get off the rail easier than I can. It's like it's like a nightmare to get off the of fucking rails. You just um, hit the rail. I, don't know. I just have a lot of um, because there's like there's areas where I'm going up a staircase. It's a big spiral staircase. I'm on a rail and dismounting from the rail to get on the walkway without jumping on the other rail or off the staircase entirely. Basically impossible. It's like really difficult to dismount from a rail because uh, it's like a boss where you're going up this big uh spiral staircase there's a big spider mech that's climbing up the big spiral staircase in the middle um and sometimes you want to slow the fuck down and get in walking mode and not on grinding mode um because the boss is hard you probably did not see this boss <laughs> i probably did not see that boss no yeah um there's just a lot of weird things like that um but the game is like mostly fun and it looks fucking great um and i had a great time playing it um it's so funny so much of people talking about like uh the new game what's it called bomber cyberpunk Cyberpunk. it's about like all the mechanics of like spraying tags or whatever and i'm like jet set radio future is like maybe 20 percent spraying tags that is not a spraying tag video game i think about the you go to the town and you like hit hit all the tag on the lines i don't remember the part where that is that is the like unlocking the assassin's creed tower part of the game basically right you go to the first area you understand the zone by tagging it and then you start doing activities in the area Mm mm-hmm you know um that is the loop uh but it's fine uh i i would say if you want to play this game maybe don't uh i did not fully finish it i got very close and then it just got too annoying and i watched rest on youtube and that's how i recommend people do that <laughs> uh yeah that's fair enough but uh other games do not have dogen zaka hill on concept of love uh so uh, 10 out of 10 yeah it's, it's pretty good I'm not like as sicko about it as you, because you can't be as sicko about anything as like a formative childhood experience, right? That's just uh, the problem. And I don't have Uh, enough of those because I was mostly (laughs) playing like fucking FIFA. Uh, That's true. Like I got Halo, I got these, I got the Tony Hawks, but you were playing every single classic JRPG, so it's a little different for me. That's you know, it was mostly Nintendo stuff until my teens. Nintendo stuff counts. Look at how happy all those people are. You hate them now, but you're growing up playing Super Mario World. The the problem is they've never played another video game. They're really annoying about it. That's true. Um, Super Mario Wonder and saw a backlog review for Super Mario Wonder was like, I hope people use this to teach game design. And I was like, they, they will. People have been teaching. People have been showing. Oh, look at this fucking Nintendo level. Oh, play, play this 3D world. And people teaching game design by pointing at a Mario level and saying, oh, the fourth, the four step thing from Japanese whatever uh, is is an annoying trope everyone's making fun of. <laughs> Imagine yeah. it all. I need more Mario based game design lesson. You can't start reading backlog reviews. It'll just drive you crazy. I was I was filling in a thing. It was on the front page. I did not go okay. to seek them out. I, I When I go to the front page, I just ignore that. I just click on something else immediately. Um, anyway, the next game, the game I'm literally at the save point before the final boss after we finish this podcast and go finish the video game is East 8 Lacrimosa of Donna. Yeah. The Nihon Falcom game from 19, or 2018. 
not 1918. <laughs> no, not 1918. Um, which I had put off playing for a long time because I really hated Memories of Calcetta, and I know that it's kind of building on the same stuff. Um, but uh, it's just a better video game. Everyone was right on this one. It's just a better video game. It starts a little slow, um, but overall, I think it's just really good. Uh, Adol crashes. He's on a boat like getting passage he's looking for the roman empire still because he wants to go to the fucking roman empire that's his whole thing um and a, a big kraken like attacks the boat and everyone crash lands on the isle of siren um it's all like you'd think it's like going to be the greek one because you crash on the isle of siren and the big kraken does it but actually it's it's the fucking lost world game because you start fighting dinosaurs um as you gather your little like lost uh crew um across the island and you build a little base and you go on you go you're like the survey team and you go around you you fight guys real good um it's like 30 hours long i will probably finish right at about 30 hours um today so um i'm enjoying it I, i'm gonna take a while for east nine because uh, i'm not gonna play east nine until after we do all our final fantasy shit at the beginning of next year um and then i'll get nordics when it's on sale for like ten dollars and it'll be fine <laughs> um yeah uh you Nordics will be ten dollars in about five years. It's not even come out for two years. <laughs> it's true. Isn't Nordics next year? Uh, it's I mean it's out in Japan now, but they're like on a two year cycle. I don't I don't know. Uh, this is the first East game since nine, um, but there's like two Trails games in the way there. Um, nah, Nordics will be out next year. North America. I just don't I don't know. I don't know what the current localization schedule is for Falcom games because um, they're already like the. I think we're up to. The Trails games are like the games that came out in 2020 are finally coming out now. Uh, just Falcom has still got the biggest delay in terms of localization, so I don't actually know how long it'll take. Okay. Yeah, I bet that's I bet that's next spring. Um. um I. Yeah. Why hasn't Adolf found the Roman Empire if he's thrown the mask of the oh, sun uh, into Mount Vesuvio? Uh, game nine is about you're in a big Roman prison city. But um, but 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 he's been he's been to fucking Naples. The thing about the Roman Empire in East is that it's just, it's just like the, the, the like hyper state. Like there's a guy on my, in my like lost crew who is just a CIA agent for the Roman Empire. Like he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm a secret police. I'm tracking down criminals and bringing them back to justice. And you're like, great. Can you do that for my, my little team? Can you just hang out and be our security guy? And he's like, yeah, I guess I have nothing better to do. And then later he's like, the Roman empire is really looking for you, Adel. Cause the next game is about Adel in a fucking Roman prison. Uh, and he has to just live in the prison. Um, and they're, they're setting a lot of groundwork for that stuff. <laughs> Cause it's like, oh, the, uh, the Roman empires realized that Adel survived fucking eight other RPGs and wants to do something about it. <laughs> I mean, I would too. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That's all right. It's a pretty good <laughs> game. Uh, I like E8 a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. I know it's a lot of people's like entry into East in the modern era because, uh, but you should go back and play Oath and Falcon East one and two. In fact, just great games, perfectly good games to play, and it, you can play both of them in like fucking fifteen hours. <laughs> um, I will soon. I got. I... You, you already played East one and two. Yeah, I know, but I'm in the um. I'm currently in the, uh, you know, the two, the two fours and fi five that I've just got to find good let's plays of and get through. Oh, yeah, but you've played East 1 and 2. You don't have to replay them. You just said, no, I'm, I'm going to do them. that. They're just great games. They're just fucking yeah. great games. Yeah. Um, But that's it. That's all the video games I played. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> that is 40 minutes of segment one there. Yeah, well, look. video gaming. 
I told you I had a lot. You know I had a lot. Evan's been gaming. But now we've got to hear from the main event. We're here for the main event. We're here to talk about Shenmue. Game Club this month is Shenmue, the 1999 Dreamcast game by Yu Suzuki. Infamous. A game of legend. Some would say the first AAA video game. I've seen that floated. Um, that's not true, but sure. It was the most expensive game ever developed at the time. Yeah, but I'm saying that, like, Final Fantasy VII was two years earlier. Uh, yeah, not, not as expensive uh, as Shenmue. Yeah. I'm just saying there were there was it was still a category of video game in the early three. I actually hours. don't think people started using AAA until the early aughts. Yeah, um, no, we did not use this at the Shenmue time. It was just there's I like an was, origin point of the term AAA, and I used to know it, and I it was forgot. the late because like in the early aughts, it meant like when publishers would send out saying this is our main <laughs> ticket thing, like it was like yeah. a publisher term, and then it caught on in like fucking Game Fact System Wars to mean something else. Um, and I feel like it really only cemented itself in like the 360 era as being this is yes. uh, the HD big games. Yes. I know. But I, I, I remember at some point there was the first one where it became a breakout game and I don't remember what that is anymore. I don't, oh, I don't know if there, I didn't know there was a Metroid Prime. Uh, yes. The Metroid Prime, video, or Metroid Prime is the Susan Kane of video games. There is a AAA video game. I don't remember what it is. Um. I don't know. I googled it. And anyway, not important. Shenmue is important. <laughs> uh, that's true. Shenmue is fucking important. Shenmue is a is an action adventure game. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely the epitome of action and adventure video games. Oh, it's an yes. RPG. Yeah. Hey, guess what? I'll guess what all RPGs are. They're <laughs> um, all action adventure games. It depends. If you, are you swinging a sword? That's action. It doesn't no, matter. I'm if saying, you use a I'm it depends how quickly you do the the turn based no, combat. No, no. That could be action. What if, it doesn't? what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? You just obliterated these terms. They now mean nothing. <laughs> nothing means anything anymore. Before my Jackson, eyes. tell me about the story of Shenmue. Oh fuck. <laughs> uh, okay, in the story of Shenmue, you play as uh, Ryo Hazuki, uh, who is a normal. Uh, like eighteen year old, <laughs> is he eighteen or seventeen? I don't actually know. Uh, I think but, he's seventeen, uh, but calling him normal is uh, it's very funny. It. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a uh, normal teenage boy anime protagonist who happens to live in a super secret, de- not even secret, on the big dojo over the top of the hill with his legendary martial artist father. Uh, not really concerned <laughs> with all that beyond just doing some training occasionally. Uh, until Lan Di shows up, uh, a random Chinese dude murders his dad and steals a mysterious artifact. Uh, called the dragon mirror he then is like well i've got to go kill that guy and proceeds to spend the um uh next 
uh, one to four months in game, depending on how long you take. I guess it could probably go a little longer than four months, but it's uh, uh, you just spend the next period of time tracking him down, um, going through town, uncovering like who was he, who was he with, why was he there uh oh uh, he was with these this chinese gang who who do i know that speaks chinese uh, uh how do who who was this guy kind of where's charlie gone etc etc uh eventually uncovering like there are two mirrors the dragon mirror and the phoenix mirror and your dad actually had both of them but landy didn't realize this uh so you have the phoenix mirror uh landy believes these mirrors can probably end the world maybe this is said in one conversation one other guy who's invested in uh this like martial arts mysticism plot is like these when these mirrors are connected you can end the world but no one else seems particularly bothered about this because they're someone's a demon right isn't that what he says yeah it's it's someone's kingdom hearts um (laughs) essentially (laughs) just doing this plot i mean i say kingdom hearts not not in that era but it's doing the mystical plot of balance right when these two things are brought into contact maybe a demon is summoned and it might end it's like in myth it might it says it might end the world but no one's really sure if that's just myth what that actually means what the power will actually be and only like two people even give a shits uh and one of them's landy rio only cares by virtue of it getting him closer to killing landy um and uh he realizes that landy is going to hong kong and it has to save up money uh to get there uh tries to get a boat gets the money stolen has to go get a job uh chase down this gang uh get in this little gang war eventually sorts that out uh gets his ticket uh uh and departs to hong kong uh on this journey to find landy uh you will notice very little happens in this game in terms of like the progression of what you would think of as the main story if this was a movie this is the first 15 minutes of a martial arts movie uh stretched to uh 20 hours um 15 hours if you're quick let me change my time uh my final time my steam library says uh what does it say sort by recent my steam library says 22.8 hours there you go um and this game is fucking incredible uh dia you've already played this you probably played it was new i played it i played this is this is what i when i bought my my dreamcast this is a system God. seller right here. This is yeah. This, this is, is a this system is seller. the system seller. I I I saw this and I was like, this is incredible. This is amazing. Uh, I'm going to go right out right now and I'm going to buy a fucking Dreamcast. Um, Man. I just won't eat this month. <laughs> That's not true. Worth That's it. not true. I just You're stole right. food from my mom's uh, pantry. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously, I've heard about Shenmue. I had watched the Giant Beast Cast playthrough of Shenmue several years ago. Which is uh, Alex Navarro, Vinny Caravella, and Dan Reichert playing through Shenmue. They get through the entire game. <laughs> they don't have a great. They enjoy no. themselves, but I would not say they engage with an open heart and open mind to what Shenmue is. That's disappointing. No, no, not really. I don't think they're like mean to it, but I do think that they don't spend the time to like let its rhythms be the thing that like you vibe with. And the problem is, Shenmue is genuinely one of the most vibes-based video games you could ever play. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. And the vibe is, what if you were the dumbest boy on earth? Uh, that's true. Have you seen where the Mad Angels are? Do you know where the Mad Angels hang out? Um, so Rio Rio lives at the castle at the top of the hill. His dad's like a, a martial artist of legend. He has a girlfriend who he doesn't talk to. They're not actually boyfriend and girlfriend, but she really wants it, and he doesn't know. Um, he's going to high school, I guess, but like, at no point does it intersect with the plot in a way that matters. <laughs> yeah, it's unclear, but the like 
high school stuff is because we don't but, see the high school but yeah, also so like the game, yeah the game starts december 3rd your dad's dead and you're like oh i should you know go call the police and then figure out what we're gonna do from here but like two weeks ago middle of november fucking rio's sitting in fucking chemistry class right can you imagine this boy in a high school <laughs> uh not particularly <laughs> yeah <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't care about anything other than walking around, fighting, and asking people stupid questions. No, there's, it's, it's the, 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 the thing that I love about this game is that Ryu presumably has an entire life. He has developed friendships. He has developed, you know, sub-romantic relationships with Nozomi. But he's got, like, friendships. He at some point has learned to ride a motorcycle from his motorcycle-owning friend. Yes. Like um there's the there's the lady at the bar who seems to be like maybe Inesan's daughter. It's not really clear, but she's always like, "Oh, Inesan's always worried about." It, it then kind of makes fun of you for being a boy in the bar. Um Yeah. There's like um like he's friends, he knows Tom. He knows Tom, like, Tom. on first name basis, right? He as presumably it, all around Dobuida are people who watch him grow up. They've known him for 10 years, but he basically has no real human connection with any of them because he's just a single, single-minded and not in like the, he is not burning with the power of vengeance. He's not one of those shouty guys. He's just very like doggedly going forward and doing the one thing he knows to do, which is get back at the guy who killed his dad. Well, like, it's like, you know, it's funny because like before that, it's like, okay, well, what were you doing? You were just keeping your head down and like you had your friends and like, you you know you you studied kung fu with your dad and then you like went to school and you did your chores and you learned motorcycle and you um you you everyone in town knows you but you know he doesn't really have a sense of like town locations which is my favorite yes. thing about the thing, the thing that's good about this is originally Shenmue was a Virtua Fighter RPG mm-hmm. uh, in development for the Saturn, and it was based on Akira, the main guy from Virtua Fighter, who's like the most uh, Ryu Street Fighter knockoff guy who's ever existed. So like he just came pre-baked with no personality, and it like pervades the game. The game's not about this being a trauma response. Like right? we talk about the things that Ryu decides Ryu decides not to pursue in to do his vengeance, but like no one goes, "You used to be so sunny and talkative, and now your dad died, and look what happened to you." That like uh, one line would have like explained it all away, and none of that's there. He's always been like no, this. Yeah, I would not say none of that's there. I don't think none of that's there. I think it's absolutely there. Okay, because um, it's not it's not just the um, stuff with Hazuki. Uh, no, it's me. Sorry. Um, uh, and uh, it's also the the I think the key scene in this is the moment that he is like surprised and caught off guard that Tom's going home. Um, and there's like a sense there in this one cutscene that like. There was a life he was leaving. He, he's friends with Tom. And all he's done this entire game uh, is ask people about where the gang is. Um, and so then you actually I read this very him. differently. I read this so differently in he is so single-minded about like, I need to go to Hong Kong that he forgets that other people have other aspirations that are not just be perfunctory in his life. That I mean, Tom's yeah. a person who wants something is unfathomable to him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think those are those are contradictory reads. I think those yeah. are both there. No, I don't think so at all. Um, I, was, I was like, I guess I'm in the middle point then. But no, I think those yeah. are those are those are part of the same read. I guess I, I just do read that like when when the player inhabits Rio, they are like imbuing a spirit of single mindedness onto him that ne- wasn't necessarily yeah. there at the time. Because I think one of the greatest things about this game, just in its like opening hours, is the sense of how all Rio does is go up to people and say hello. Um, where's this guy? But uh, in the difference in how 
every person responds to you do they know you does this person like go oh hey it's Rio did this person go like uh you know say ah oh, has or whatever well, off, um, creep. <laughs> right like you get a sense of a history and a relationship and such a specific context of like who this person is um and that's just so refreshing in terms of like when I'm playing RPGs where you go to a town and talk to everyone, you're normally new, right? You're either amnesiac or just you've just come from a boat, right? Like you are yeah. an outsider the, in some form, yes. Yeah, because the, it solves a lot of these design problems. And the and, t- the town where you are non outsider is dead within the first three hours, <laughs> right? Um, whereas here, like they do so much work by letting you know Rio's relationship to every person. Uh, in the town i think this is like genuinely one of the most impressive things about the game is the sense of history you get uh from who knows you how they know you uh the way they respond to you the parts of town they hang out the part of the town that rio is confused about uh which is seemingly all of them uh if you ask enough people about <laughs> things um and i just think that's really good uh I, I, it, it's just a really fucking good game no this is this is the thing that i think is really interesting about like you know and we'll get to the, i'm sure we'll end up we'll end up talking about this more but like just thinking about that in terms of versus uh yakuza which is much more immediately need to insert you know you know you know how, orient the player in this history and this character um very directly whereas this is much more you know we just we hit the moment and then everything else is backstory just by by the way people talk to us you know we don't we don't get flashbacks really we get mm. People just having conversations yeah, that are backs. familiar conversations, or they're not familiar conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a difference in like because like by the time Shemu evolves into Yakuza, which is like a similar ish team, is I don't know the exact lineage, but you know, it's thought of as a vague successor within uh, yeah. Even if Yu Suzuki wasn't around, um, like. Uh, the first Yakuza is so direct about like you are a Yakuza guy, right? It is a known archetype um, of like video games. You are going to beat guys up uh, and uh, study your revenge quest, and you're also single-minded. But there's no sense of like, other than the main characters in the bar you hang out with. Uh, the most response is like to Kiryu as an icon, right? He's bigger than everyone else and can beat you up, and everyone knows him by his reputation as the guy that beats everyone up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas Ryo has like human backstories, like he, you know, he, the people, the other guys at school just don't like him. <laughs> they like bully. Uh, yeah. uh, you get those bully events, right? Or uh, the, the kids all hang, stop him, and go like, "Hey, you want to play with me?" As if he's done that a hundred times before. Right. right. Yes, you just get such so specific things, and it's also like something I've never seen in a game of this like this fidelity surely i'm not trying to think i know there's like rpg uh and rpg maker games like i guess moon is also a good one of these yeah uh, mother three also um not quite exactly but uh close enough for the for the main town where there are no npcs in terms of like generic when i go to an npc in an rpg town and i say something to them and they say i've been laid off at the store or whatever uh that's a bit of flavor they i'm imagining a life they have but that npc is there to deliver that line and that line provides context of the town um here when i talk to an npc they don't just exist there there are no flavor npcs they go places every single npc in the game has a routine uh, even if it's even if it, later on they just become foremans that have uh, schedules and go home um uh, you know even in the simplified version it's so much more specific than that there are no there are no random just filler npcs that's crazy and, that's crazy and this is no sev- wonder it's the most expensive game of all time seven years before Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. <laughs> yeah. 
on a console. Because that's the, <laughs> but that's the other way, right? Like that's the other way where it ends up going is that uh, the design shifts towards the scale, the systems that can fake it at scale, mm-hmm. um, as opposed I mean, to this, which is just like. There are there are no systems. There's no NPC generation system. Everything yeah. is just scripted. They've just scripted You're, every NPC. The thing That's for great. me that really sells this, like why it is like this to me, I, is the sensibility that like Elder Scrolls comes out of a PC lineage of we're using a computer to simulate a bunch of aspects of the world. Even if you go back to like early, like just fucking ASCII RPGs, it's using the computer to generate a system in which you move through it or whatever. Um, Shenmue is built out of arcade games where everything is one bespoke element to do one thing to represent one action. Like Yu Suzuki made Outrun, a game about driving. Uh, when he, when he makes a boy, when he makes a game about a boy walking through town, he controls like a car and it's all really awkward, but it's like you see this entire movement system and like the way the world is constructed to be bespoke generation of bodies moving through space. And it's like that about everything about like, how do you examine objects? Well, you reach down, you pick it up. We model all the objects and you can turn them in your hand and then he might have something to say about it. And if it goes in your inventory, it goes to a big inventory, sl- like the, full of objects that don't do anything. There's no purpose other than they're there. Uh, everything about the game is like that. It's just like 17 different arcade modules strapped together. Yeah, there, into a there's world. a, there's a Yu Suzuki arcade game. Um, you know, there's a Naomi game that is just about opening, you know, uh, drawers on a dresser. Yeah. Like, yeah, everything is modular in that way. It's it's amazing. Um, and I think you only get that out of, like, the sensibilities of we made arcade games. Um, and w- what does it look like when we take that into a home console and not make another arcade like a home port, but a full world, but all we know, how to, we don't know how to do that. They could not, Yusuzuki probably could not generate a Skyrim role if he wanted to, right? right um, yeah. He can only make a world like this. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it reminds me of um, th- that, that story I'm always thinking about. Of, I think it was on Idle Thumbs. Uh, and Brad Muir saying, like, you can't talk to Tim about modern game design. He'll just say, just make it. Just make a thing that does this one thing. <laughs> um, uh, we're talking about, like, people that cut their teeth in when games were simpler, right? And yeah. you just made you make bespoke, a bespoke things. Op- item and you make it, or you make a system that, like, builds into the other system. Shenmue is about bespoke things. Yeah. Everything is a bespoke thing that you do. Um, even, like, the light. The, 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 there's no RPG mechanics tying anything together, right? There is at most uh, some upgrades from mastering moves, but that doesn't even work like uh, combat XP in an RPG. It, it, it works very differently. No, you got to you got to go and practice your moves. I, I I couldn't tell if your moves degrade if you don't use them. Uh, I was kind of all in on like two different moves, so I just really pushed those two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the way you acquire moves is like when you're training, you can just unlock them if you just do the the because they're all they're all like virtual fighter commands basically. Um, and you can unlock them if you do them for most of them, or you can buy scrolls. Uh, one scroll is in Chinese, and he has to go get it translated. He's just like, fuck, I don't know how to. I go to the people who train, and if you go to the lady who translates the other bit of Chinese in the game, she doesn't know what to do with it. She's like, "No, I don't. I don't know. Uh, you have to give it to the guy at the warehouse. You have to like make a special call and go down there and be like, hey, could you do the scroll for me?'" And the guy in the suit's like, "Yeah, I'll do it for you. Here you go." Because it's an ancient Chinese secret. Yeah, punch that guy real good. <laughs> uh every time you, every time, every time you go to the warehouse, you have to call the entire number. Uh of um oh four six eight uh six yes. one five six eight. No, the yes. last time you don't have to call. That's true. The last time <laughs> they, I, d- they I did in the last that. they give you that nineteen really minutes funny. of this game feel a little unfinished. Um Yeah, a little bit. And that the, there's like there are moments in the in the in the last bit of the game where I'm like, 
Shemi would not have been cutting these corners in its action depicting in hour one. It, the first hour, there's one shot that I think is an inc- incredible scene, genuinely incredible cutscene. Um, but I've been telling it over in my mind as like mixed on how I feel about it. And that like, when you leave town, you just have a quiet cutscene of leaving town and no mm. one even comes to say goodbye to you and you just leave. Uh, and it's fucking fantastic. But I'm also thinking like, if this was done how the early game did it, you would have just walked through the town yourself. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Just early morning, so there's only just the normal people setting up the shops and whatever. Yeah, I'm mixed on that cutscene. I think it's one of the best cutscenes in the game, an incredible moment, but I'm also like, why wasn't I walking down the town? Why wasn't I walking to the bus to catch the bus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so just like choices about when you are in, aren't in control uh, get a little muddled towards the end. Um, but the sense of, like, the way it establishes those emotions just organically... Um, is fucking incredible like the sense when you are in the third act and you're going to work in the famous bit where you go to work uh and you've been in the town for two discs talking to everyone and now all you do is come home and no one's there and maybe there's one person in the park right and you can talk to them and santa's Um, walking around because it's probably at least for me it was like pre-christmas so santa's just ambling around by the arcade but the sense of i got a job and i come home when it's dark and i don't see anyone anymore i'm like i haven't seen a game that's like captured that so organically before just as part yeah. of the design of the mechanics yeah my version of that is um i love i think the forklift section of the game is the best part of the game I th- i'm just like totally crazy about it mm-hmm. um but um you do your job you eat lunch every time you eat lunch sitting on the the, the oh, big so cement good. rail with the boys and it's great and mark usually tells you a little bit of story and uh, i love mark mark's my favorite character and uh then you have two hours for lunch because it's the cushiest job it's ever been <laughs> and uh you're like, well, i guess I guess I'm just going to, like, do gotcha for two hours. <laughs> so you try to come master collection of tiny vehicles, because who knows? Maybe you'll need them someday. Um, and you go back to work, and then everyone fucking leaves. But Rio's like, I need to investigate the Mad Angels. And in this desolate harbor, in the middle of winter, where nobody's around and it's just getting dark, uh, you just wander around trying to play detective, and the entire world does not care that you are there. It is just, like, supremely lonely and sad. <laughs> And I'm like, that's who Rio is—a guy who won't go to, won't go home until like 9 p.m., even though he's been off work for four hours, wandering around, hoping he could scare up a clue. He can't scare up a clue. Yeah, uh, he's just asking people where are the Mad Angels and putting some notes in, and he's not really getting. And the guy's like, "I'm fishing. Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come see me if you want to be a bit homeless. <laughs> The homeless guy is the only one who will regularly talk to you because he's like, I've got some sick moves for you, buddy. Let's go. He's like, have you ever seen him like a movie before? I'm like one of those homeless guys with secret powers. Have you ever seen Have you seen a dodge? And he's like, no, I've never thought about actually dodging. And he's like, oh, we'll come back tomorrow. I'll show you how to dodge and then counterattack. <laughs> uh, does it work? Nah, not really. I mean, it does. But then, like... It's like a really good move right before they like for one on one battles right before they give you the 70 man gauntlet where you have to fight. You have to just spin kick guys in the head for an hour. The 70 man gauntlet. If you die on the final guy, by the way, you have to go back to the beginning of the 70 man gauntlet, which I found out at the end of the game at 5 a.m. last night. I lose the 70 man gauntlet. I got close, but I I did not lose. It's it's funny because I saw I saw your your tweets earlier, Jackson. Like I was like, you know, um, this morning I saw them and I was like. I was like, oh, it's a good thing I wasn't seeing these in real time because otherwise I would have just tweeted at you. Well, I would simply get good at Virtua Fighter 3. <laughs> I've never played Virtua Fighter before in my life. And I don't think that the implementation in Shenmue's specifically, I've seen a lot of complaints about like the HD version dropping inputs and being unclear about moves. I have not really the, found that to be true, but. 
It. I, yeah, I, I remember Shenmue um, playing a little bit better um, on the Dreamcast, but mm-hmm. like ultimately, like you know, um, like. I grew up with Virtual Fighter, so I was just kind of like, "Yeah, this, this, I yeah. know how this plays. I know how this works." Um, Never played Virtual Fighter before in my life. Wow! I put like hundred hours into Virtual Fighter God, Four. Uh, so many fucking quarters. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, and then and then the Chai battle, like he's a weirdo, and you don't want to use moves like that on no. him. No, I mean the Chai battle. I'm just kind of like attacking three times, moving away. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leg sweeping over and over I again love, every time he gets within range. I love you get like the, the, the sick ultimate move of the game before the Chai battle. And then it's just like, yeah, good luck with time in that one with Chai. Oh, the, the, apart from the Chai battle, the last move of the last, this is, this is the staggering hubris of Shemu, which I love. Like this game is a work of hubris uh, that will never, ever, ever be replicated. I don't think there will ever be a game that is this beautiful in how doomed it is. Um, but the final thing you do before the last boss battle is a 20-minute fucking tutorial for a move that's impossible to pull off. That's for game two. Yeah. Uh, I know. I know it is. I, I understand why I did this, but it's ridiculous that that's how the game ends. It's beautiful. Yeah. The game ends mastering a move you will never use. Part of the, one of the, when I, when I was training, I was like talking to the discord and I was like, how, how much should I be training? And, uh, six who gave us like some helpful tips was like, oh, don't, sh- you're going to like start to not see gains after like 60% because the cap is soft cap to 60 because your cap goes into Shenmue 2. So it's not going to let you overtrain because you still need room to grow in the next video yep. game. Oh, that makes sense. It's fucking amazing. Um, I, I think so like it's weird in that we've only played Shemmy, right? I can't talk about Shemmy too. I know that these games are thought of together. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do think as a taking this as a complete work and more not not actually that's not even true. Taking this and the cultural reputation of Shemmu as a complete work uh yes. makes the ending like fucking incredible in what like Ryo is ruining his life for revenge that will never happen, right? For yeah. a game that will never be finished. All of this work for something that will just never exist. Uh, and the like failure of it as he gets on this boat to this journey that will never be completed. Because I think there was that quote saying, Shenmue 3 takes a 40% through the story. <laughs> um, is uh, really good. I don't know how they've accidentally like twined this, the stories of both Ryo and the production of Shenmue as these doomed hubristic quests. Uh, but they do intertwine really nicely. What was it? Yeah, I mean, aren't didn't didn't Yu Suzuki like envision like thirty chapters or something like that? Yeah, something, it's something absurd. And like I remember, see, this is the thing. I remember Shenmue coming out, and I remember beating Shenmue and getting that ending. And then I remember Shenmue Two was not getting a US release. Yeah, because oh, it only came out on the Xbox. Yes. Yeah, and but because Dreamcast was basically dead. But by the then. Dreamcast did get a. I think it was an EU english release oh okay. yeah so i had to pirate that shit oh beautiful yeah so i played i played it on the dreamcast because i was like no i play shenmue on the fucking dreamcast i don't play on this xbox bullshit that i'm not gonna buy for like another couple of years or whatever the fuck dreamcast bitches and so i had to like fucking track that shit down and pirate it <laughs> yeah thankfully That's the dreamcast amazing. was beautiful to pirate on yeah. yeah, and then people love to uh, claim that's the reason the Dreamcast Pop died the and a million other things. That was the only game I pirated, uh, though. Uh, so you had to. You didn't have any other choice. I had a choice, but like I was like I was so I was so upset when they were like, "No, it's not. We're not getting a, a, 
a U.S. release for Shenmue 2. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I blamed everyone who didn't play Shenmue. I blamed all the people who were like, eh, Shenmue's weird. I don't like this. This is a dumb game. I'm going to play this. And I was like, no, you're all dead to me for not letting us get Shenmue 2. The, um, mm-hmm. the thing for me about, like, having finished Shenmue, knowing it's not going to end, whatever. We're, like, we're on, we agreed to do Shenmue 2 and 3. But, like, if this is it, if this is all we we're going to do, I, I feel like I am satisfied. How do you know when you're satisfied? I'm satisfied. Because the thing, as someone who's seen a couple dozen, you know, classic action films, uh, you know. Oh, you've in, seen a Revenge Martial Arts movie in I've seen, I've seen a bunch of Shaw Brothers movies, I've seen a bunch of Japanese movies, I've seen a bunch of Western movies. Like, I think I feel like this game pulls a lot from, like, Roger Corman sensibilities yeah. in a big mm-hmm. way. Um. The thing that the part where you finally the guy finally gets revenge and has a big standoff with the the big boss or whatever is never interesting in any of those. Not once have I ever been like, oh, the final conclusion was the one that really fucking did it. It's uh, the weird setups, the interesting side characters, and the training montages, and that's Shenmue, baby. <laughs> that's they made a game out of those bits, entirely those bits. No, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like I was so because like spoilers, Shenmue three doesn't end things like. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Yeah. Is, is there anyone listening that thinks Shenmue 3 might even come close to resolution? No, it does not. It does not come close to resolution. Um, like, getting through Shenmue 3 and just, like, being like, there's still no resolution. I was so ecstatic. I was just like, good. I'm so glad we are not even cl- anywhere close to, like, catching up with Landy and, like, having any kind of, like, denouement. Because that's not what matters here. At all. You Suzuki, you are 62. This is not good. It's, it's not, not happening. happening. It's just never happening. Like, if I get, like, two it's more Shenmue's in my lifetime, I will, like, they, like don't resolve things. I will be total. I will die happy. Like, if I get, like, one more, if I get none more, I am so, like, blessed to just play Shenmue <laughs> and not have it resolved. Um, like, I'm glad it will never resolve. Um the uh god i lost it i had it and i lost it oh, the thing is like londy is not a ki- character that matters i like he killed your dad whatever and rio took it real personally um but the plot <laughs> that we've been given that oh there's two mirrors that could summon a demon that could end the world is is so perfunctorily tossed out that i literally was like when it happened i was like is this meant to be like a thing that i don't believe as a player, do I not believe it? Because it doesn't matter. It seemingly doesn't matter to Ryo. He's not in it for end of the world reasons. Um, and I'm like, magic mirrors. The game is so like grounded in the idea of like, you know, uh, simulation realism in its own goofy way. That the idea that there's magic mirrors just sounds fake as hell. I'm like, no, there's no, there's no magic mirrors. Of course, once he finds the mirror, he starts having nighttime visions of the girl from Shenmue too. <laughs> so you're like, oh, maybe there's something to this magic shit. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, she's the girl from Shenmue 1. She is. She's on the box. She's on the she, box. She's on, she's that's on the Shenmue. Not in the, this not appearing in the video game. The lady he dreams about at night. <laughs> they made a game where the, the lady on the box and in like the opening cutscene isn't in the fucking video game. That's so cool. <laughs> she's not in the game. She's just an idea of a thing that isn't real. Oh, motherfuckers uh, used to call point. her Shenmue because no one knew her name at the time. <laughs> <laughs> People would wait. That's Shenmue on the box. That's Shenmue in the dream. I love it. 70, oh. 70 million. <laughs> um, but it, it's weird because like so much of the game is about just like in a movie, you're, you you give the characters clear motivations. They invest in the motivation. You invest in the character investing in the motivation. That's what drives a plot forward. And Shenmue 
be by its structure, by its like shaggy dog nature, gives you so much <laughs> space to go. I don't think Rio's doing the right thing. And the game's not about that. It's not it's not doing it like a meta commentary on the revenge tale where like, oh, this is what you leave behind in the in doing the revenge. Um, it just kind of gives you the space to go. No, I, I think he's full of shit. Like, I think you should just get over your dead dad and move on with your life. You should you should marry Nozomi, move into your big fucking house, go be a forklift magnate and live your fucking life. Invite Mark, invite Mark home to dinner sometime, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Have a friend. Go to Canada, maybe. Yeah, go to Canada with her at the beginning of the year and have a great time in the cold north. <laughs> uh, yeah, the sense of, like, the the fact that the simulation stuff is all uh, well built out, right? And everyone in the town has a sense of, like, a little bit of history. And you get, like, oh, this guy has this job and he's over here at nights. And, and you just get a sense of, like, the life of the town. Um mm allows the moment that he leaves all that for the life of revenge to hit so much harder uh, yeah because i know all those people i know the people that i'm leaving behind and i like them um and i just don't think it's worth it i like them more than i care about landy who isn't in this fucking video game <laughs> yeah uh like and like you say it doesn't it, even it, even when he is he's so archetypical that he's not interesting right like yes. he's just a big sneering evil guy <laughs> yeah he's just the guy that could have died he's like Ugh, uh, i'm like oh, i guess i'll catch up with him at some point but not yet not in these three games i won't do you think he told that little girl that he's leaving and she needs to watch the cat a little more carefully? Absolutely not. He didn't didn't cross his mind once. Um, no, but he told the cat. Yeah, he just walked through the town. He told the cat that he understands the cat because they both lost he lost their parents on the same day. <laughs> he, he talks to that cat more than he talks to his girlfriend. <laughs> this is a pure, purely organic like calendar moment for me. So it, it's Christmas Day. Uh, it's snowing on Christmas Day and I'm in the middle of the work section. And you still go to work on Christmas Day. Um, and I got the scene where uh, Nozomi comes up to you with her friend and takes the two photos uh, mm -hmm. in the snow on Christmas Day. Um, She's trying so hard. She's trying so fucking hard. Yeah, while well, he's at his fucking revenge quest forklift job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the day after, on Christmas, uh, on Boxing Day, um, you come back to town and Aerie is like waiting for you, like right mm -hmm. by the way home. And she's like, hey, yeah. uh, um, nothing's in the park. Uh, you go go talk to her, uh, and you talk to her, uh, and she's like, "This all went like I wanted to spend Christmas Eve with you, and you weren't around." And I'm pretty I sad. Did not, this is the scene I didn't see because I finished the game on the twenty second. Mm. Okay, so these lining up this way work really well. Yeah. Because, like, man, yeah, that's yeah. a good fucking scene. Um, and I assumed it was a default scene that everyone would see until she mentioned Christmas Eve. And I was like, "Hang on a second, I know how the calendar of this game works. It has to be like optional." Yeah. I think there's uh, a New Year's scene too, which I assume you didn't get to New Year's. You're probably no, I, I finished on December 29th, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the thing we also didn't really like talk about uh, is that I, as much as all stuff is really good, and I I, I love it all, uh, and I agree with you. Uh, I think I like the first act more in terms of the sense of just like the way you click together the detective story. Um, mm. I love looking talking to a guy and then looking at the map and the fear like oh he lives there this guy lives there i need to talk to him because he's opening this like just the sense of connecting all these dots in like a coherent space um is a thing that like i like that stuff i clearly i clearly i really like snatcher right which is, is my touchdown for these kind of like japanese adventure games is the one we played i haven't played portopia but i assume it's, it's a similar thing i know this is a massive genre and a lot of them aren't translated yeah um but the way that the Shemu integrates like a 3D coherent space into this 
uh and like the sense you get of like oh i know where this park is i know when things open i know uh where people go after work and where to find them and what this means about like this part of the mystery and how i'm gonna get, get to this guy and who's who are the chinese guys i know where are the sailors oh they're in this bar that's like kind of out of the way um i think all that stuff fit together so fucking well it was so satisfying just exploring town progressing all the things constantly figuring out oh this thing means this like over a couple times i was a little like stuck but usually i could just figure it out i could just look at a map look at a few bits of information i had uh, and put them together and it was always very satisfying to do so yeah yeah i think that stuff works really well mostly yeah i have left i'm not like down i'm not like down the first it's it's weird because i think a lot of that comes from i'd seen the video game before Mm -hmm. so replaying it it was like what here is surprising to me and it's how it's like the emotional emotional effectiveness not of like like the first part it's like i I know i already knew where the sailors were i knew i needed to ask someone to point me in the right direction but like i'd watched Vinny fail to find the sailors for three days or whatever Uh, i knew where the fucking sailors were wait did did Vinny get stuck on sailors for three days I mean, maybe it wasn't. I might be exaggerating, but like, the thing that they had, they they had internalized the wrong lesson, which was it, asking people doesn't give you answers, and then then they didn't ask anybody anything. They but, thought you have to ask the right, exact right person a question, um, following a trail, and not half the people have nothing, but the other half have exactly where you need to go. <laughs> no, you need to like be familiar with like who will probably know, like oh, I'm yeah. looking for like a, a guy that's hanging out that's a bit eccentric. I'm going to ask Tom, right? Like Tom might yeah. know who to find. Uh, I'm looking for someone who knows about antiques. I'm going to ask one of like old shop owners. Oh, I need to go to this store, right? Uh, yeah, I feel like the ways in which. Um, it is technically, I guess, a hint system, but even the hint system requires on like your contextual understanding of who in a town would know information. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so thoughtfully set up. Uh, yeah. I think it's got like less thematic and meat to talk about because it's really all set up for like the third act where you come home and all those people have gone home and you've, you're just like on your quest. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do think like the sense of the, the way the investigation uh, carries on is, is so fucking good. I think it's incredible, incredible game design. Yeah. I mean, that's like the the pace of the game itself is like a big snowball where like you start the game and you're like, well, I can't go to bed until like eight. And I'm just fucking like out here. I asked like the three people I did the thing. They told me come back tomorrow. So I guess I'm just going to chill. I don't have anything to do. But in the game, you're like, I went to work. I, I investigated the three things. I come back from work. Now I'm going back out in the middle of the night to fucking ride a motorcycle. And I got to get there by dawn or they're going to kill my girlfriend. Uh, it's just like the amount of being a protagonist that happens to you over the course of your adventure. Well, the... Oh, oh, I was gonna say, uh, like you know, this, the, you know, we 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 you know, we we joke about like you know, Dark Souls teaching you like you know, oh, you, you know where all the enemies are, so you know to run, and you know to which, which ones to hit, and things like that. But like, by the time you get to like, you know, the week before Christmas, you know Dubuita, you know who's in yeah. Dubuita, you know who they are, you know how they feel about. Rio. you know you be you you develop a parasocial relationship with this fucking town um yeah. and it and it's so slow like that's the thing I, I really loved about this game was like you know and like it's I, I the thing that like you know was really frustrating about um persona 5 when it came out was the fucking cat telling you to constantly just like no you've done enough today go to bed but like the way in which Shenmue organically says like, okay, this is as far as you can go today because the guy you need to talk to, he closed his restaurant and he went home and he's going to go and have dinner and watch dumb television and go to sleep with his wife or whatever. And like, you have no choice but to go home. 
and like go talk to Fuxan and like you know have whatever weird dinner Ryu has and then go to bed like it, it keeps stymieing you in like a you've gone far enough you've learned enough today go reset come back and we'll do this again and you'll slowly build up this understanding that Rio theoretically just organically has or should organically have having lived in this town you know um and like that's that is one of my favorite things about Shenmue's early acts is that by the time you get to the point where oh now I'm going to work and I'm coming home at nine o'clock at night and you know I'm just going to work trying to find the murderers and then come home I'm going to work trying to find murderers go home and like not interacting with the city that I grew up in and these people that I know and things like that um it you do get that disconnect I think from the, those earlier acts where you are engaging with the humanity and the people that you know growing up and things like that there is that sad there is that sadness of that break from that single-mindedness uh yeah um i think it's it's it, i just haven't played anything that's like <laughs> nailed that so much in its sense of space yeah um i i guess like like I said, the, the, the Mother 3 town is probably the similar, the closest thing I can think of in terms of its, like, ambition. Um, but that, that's not really doing, like, exactly the same thing as Shenmue in terms of, like, the, the space there. Um, I'm One of the moments I thought, like, it, the game got me real good is that you um, uh, you get the phone number for the, uh, for the warehouse and you're like, what the fuck is warehouse number eight? How on earth do I find it? Um, and you're like, how do, I, how do I find it? What do I do? And you talk to... Um, uh, Hazuki, and she's like, um, hey, you gotta, uh, like, maybe you could use the phone number to find the place. But like, maybe you have to, like, ask around for warehouse number eight. Um, you can, like, you know, look up the phone number. So you go home and you call the, like, phone number information thing, and they don't give it to you. They're like, we can't just give you the address of any phone number you tell us. That's not how it fucking works. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? Uh, the answer is there's a phone book under the desk, and you gotta find that. <laughs> um, and the phone book would take you to it. But because of how the like timing works, you you talk to Nozomi, you go home, you start doing this, and if you're in the middle of this puzzle, the game is like explicitly or not no, has actually very softly directed you to this puzzle where you're going to be standing at your phone trying to solve something, uh at eight o'clock you'll be interrupted and then like Nozomi just calls you. She just calls you and goes, yes. Can we go to the park? This is the only day you can get this call. Yes. If, if if you're not there at seven PM at that day, you will not see this scene. But it's, it's so specific because it's meant to interrupt this, like, investigation yes. flow you're in uh, yeah. as it, like, janks you out of, like, oh, right, also, she's a person who wants to talk to me. Uh, so fucking good. What an incredible moment. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff's all really good. That's the stuff that really surprised me is just how uh, the character interactions. Mark telling you about his sad backstory, his the action movie he's in where he's not a martial arts guy, so he's just getting the shit beat out of him as he tries to figure out what happened to his brother. Yes. Poor Mark. Mark's a hero. Mark is a hero. He's just doing his job. He enjoys a race every now and then. <laughs> Tom's got to go back home because nobody in Japan wants hot dogs. It's sad, but true. Yeah. I'm like, Tom. Honey's like, I told him he shouldn't have thrown his whole money away or whatever. And she doesn't say that. <laughs> That's the vibe I get. Like, oh, he, he blew our entire savings on his hot dog idea. It just really didn't take off. He's mostly just dancing. Yeah. Um, sucks for tom but uh he's having a good time uh i guess it's a good moment, point to bring up that like i play this in japanese 
<laughs> yeah, me and me and Dia played this in English as God intended. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic in Japanese. I didn't. I just did it that way because I'm like people recommend this, I guess. Um, but I don't know if that's just being uh, perfect. Like, Perfection is the wrong word. Being annoying, dogmatic weebs about it, as, as I guess. The, yes, that's exactly why someone would watch Shenmue in fucking Japanese. <laughs> like, I, tab- yeah. I tabbed well, over. Japanese was great. Like I was like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Okay. And I immediately the, the, tabbed back over. Is, like, it, it, it's very well acted. You know, it's very competent. It sounds like a fucking normal anime voice acting cast, well, which is fine. Not the way, not the thing that Shenmue is to me. That's not true. Because, like, that is true for the Japanese characters who yes. are, like, like that's true for Ryo. That's true for, like, Ryo's, like, immediate friends, right? Like, they're, they're, that's definitely true for, like, a lot of the main cast. But because of how much of Shenmue is about, like, foreigners in Japan, um, in all of the loaded ways, that is true, right? Like, it is loaded about it. Uh, you know, you literally have your dancing black American friends. Um, who I love. Tom is incredible, but like, there's definitely like ideas at play, right? And the entire thing about like the scary Chinese people coming over with their mysticism, but also uh, with their like tenacity to do the immigrant jobs that the Japanese don't want to with do. Their three uh, blades, with their three blades, right? And I'm like, there are some ideas about China in this video game. <laughs> How is it going to be when we actually go to fucking China? Um, but like, the sense of um. Like a lot of a lot is communicated through the characters by how well they can and can't speak Japanese, and not just in the pure like, you know, stereotype way. I think they genuinely do a pretty good job of that. There are characters that are like, there are so many Americans in this game who are like doing the Japanese voice acting, and when they do the Japanese voice acting, they sound normal, uh, and then when they hit the American word, they you know they do the fucking Toho project, uh, that is the classic clip, um, and I love it. I love it every time that happens. So I, I was satisfied with my choice for reasons just beyond the like oh annoying weeb says play chamber in japanese i do think there's real value to it um and i had a good time i do i do really like the the characterization of tom versus honey and uh the japanese voice acting uh yeah because honey can just speak japanese pretty like fluently yeah and that, that, that is something that is lost in the 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 english dub but also the english dub <laughs> specifically it's the way the english dub sounds like an arcade machine right it's like house of the dead clips happening at you at all times but it's trying to tell this emotional slow story about this boy and his quest for vengeance but rio just sounds like he's on a different mic down a well compared to everybody else that's the thing that's beautiful to Mm. me i also love um everyone's different palatization of rio's name yes yeah nobody knows how to say rio no one no one's gotten the primer on japanese words yet uh uh yeah I, 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 I don't know I, I know that the answer is like they recorded the english dub in japan mm-hmm. um like and, no, was... and scooped up everybody who could speak english like every native english speaker in the entire world to get the no, cast it, it sounds like the cast yeah. was by the like the nhk world um the americans from yeah. the nhk world uh, you know it basically was like it, <laughs> yeah. yeah like i kept like going is like, like wait Jeremy is Blasky peter bakarian gonna show up on this because <laughs> yeah there's that one Jeremy Blasting quote on the Wikipedia page. It's like, well, Yu Suzuki needed us to do it in Japan. So we, anyone who was in Japanese could speak English and was technically a voice actor by like the barest definition is in this game. Yeah. Um, uh, which is incredible. Um, that's the vibe. In many ways, there's the, this vibe with the English cast also because everyone has a unique voice. So, you, you know, they don't have the thing where like when you play Skyrim, um, same guy voices like 20 different characters because they have like eight voice actors yeah i mean this is the the same idea of like the bespoke versus systemic thing and they both have that charm i like when another guy when there's six guys and guards in the same town that say the same thing to me and rotate out it's great (laughs) 
I'm not anti Bethesda game here. Yeah. But there is something special about like every voice is weird in a unique special way because they had to hire 120 guys to voice this video game. Yep. Yes. Um, is that it? That might be it. That might be it for the main set. We got a whole bunch of questions. I'm, we got I'm a lot so of glad that because like this was such an crucial game for me and like such a mm-hmm. big important part of like my, my life. Like this was like this is like one of those games that like you play it and it's just like I have never played anything like this. I will never play anything like this again. And like it hit like right like you know like what 1999. I was sixteen. God, I couldn't imagine playing 16. Like, this, I mean, like, this is a game that, like, just completely, just completely altered my trajectory about games. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, so I'm glad, I'm glad that you two got to play it and that, you know, um, I'm sad you didn't get to have the VMU counting off the 60, the, the 70 guys as you kill them. Oh, my God. I yeah, the VMU is where you get the counter. It's great. It's like one of the best. Oh, there was fuck- no counter in the HD version. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, seventy man. Is it what was it? Jill Brawl. I just didn't. Battle. I just didn't know there was a. Is there a counter? Is it like in hidden in the menu or something? I just didn't. I just kicked the guys in the head. Um. Oh, yeah, I don't. I don't know where the counter is. I'm trying to look. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't seen that. That was what the VMU did. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, so. Um, I am I'm sad you didn't get to see uh, New Year's, though. Um, I didn't this time, and I was like a little bit, I was almost like honestly just kind of disappointed that I was like, I just did it too quickly because the first. I even looked for it on YouTube, and I feel like this game is really poorly represented on YouTube. Couldn't find it. It is, because I was trying to, like, just find, like, some, just some things. I'm just like, you know, there are some things that I miss in my playthrough, and I was like, oh, I want to see that because I want to be able to reference it on the pod. And, yeah. Um, uh, the best Let's Play I could find was this, like, Scottish guy <laughs> who can't stop screaming and swear, like, says, like, shit and fucking, like, the most bizarre parts of speech um and just like beast modes the game before like like the week before christmas he's done with the game it's like jesus man oh wow um but he like misses so much shit because it's like you just beast mode the entire game um and also he really sucks at the combat for someone who's like this is my favorite game i played shenmue non-stop and it's just like you know you never got good at fighting huh but <laughs> That's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, special shout out to the scene where uh, Guizhong and uh, and Rio have to pretend to beat each other up. Just a really oh, so good, good scene. I have That's nothing good to say scene. about it, but it's really good. He's a cool guy. He is, he is a cool guy in his awful suit and his terrible hair and his sour face at all times he just fucking hates you for no reason just like classic uh movie archetype right of cool guy that just thinks you're a little shit uh and so you just have a good tension as you have this like upstart kid who oh you want to revenge oh, you're dad, never sure, gonna beat whatever. lon d if you can't even beat me <laughs> exactly um, also also special shout outs to goro for realizing that he should just settle down and get the fuck out of this story <laughs> The, the note you get in the book is like, I guess Gora and Maya are getting married. Um, yes. Because, 
Rio is very confused that you can even do that. <laughs> it's like a relationship. What's I also, that? I really, I really love the the nasty girl gang. Yeah, it's just like two girls, but like still, yeah, I love them. Um, them when you see them like in the town in Dowita, where they're just on the fucking like corner and they're just like squatting and smoking the entire time, and then when it's raining, they just pull out umbrellas, but they don't really move. It, love it. It's, I think it's they're so, so funny cool. because like you know, um, uh. God, I just I just completely forgot the photographer's name. Um, there's a really famous Japanese photographer who's like actually one of my favorites. And I completely just my, my brain just shut out as soon as I tried to reach for his name. Um, but I have mentioned him before in articles. Uh, go look at Waypoint <laughs> for that. Um, he has so many photos of like exactly that. Of just, like, the two mean, like, you know, schoolgirls just squatting on the corner in the 80s, just smoking and looking surly. Um, or, like, huddled mm. and just kind of, like, looking over their shoulders with, like, a cigarette hanging out of the corner of their mouth in their schoolgirl, like, uniform. And I'm just, like, it's just seeing that. I was just, like, yes, this is this is such a vibe. Yeah. Okay. Want to move on to questions? Let's do it. All right. like to send in emails you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com they can be about the game club it can be about any gaming related topics whatever hey yeah. you can send them in about anything and we'll just funnel it into whatever podcast it's appropriate for but uh abnormal mapping will only cover gaming emails probably yeah. if you're listening and like i want to ask a gaming question that isn't related to the video game feel free we'll, we'll answer it uh l7 writes in with a, qu- a question in the coming common society what are the big games if any like um Rhythm Tengoku. I mean, the answer is that you have governments funding games. Oh, this is not like we reorganize society tomorrow and have to agree on the games that. No, uh, I mean like how how Soviet how like Soviets may had like made film paid for movies. Yes, uh, no, that's I understand. How you pay for games. Yes, 
the 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 production changes when it is centralized under uh like public public yes. uh production. Yes. Um I thought this meant communism's happening, what games are we holding up as the ideal? Yeah, I think I think that we're allowed to take it however you want. Okay. Like okay. the Soviets were going back to those electromechanical pinball ish machines. Fuck yes, <laughs> let's go. Um no, I think There'll be one in every I town, think IF's, and it'll be well It's IF's time to shine. We've been talking about the 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 IF weirdos, um, and uh, yeah, no interactive fiction. That's what, that's what we get. Mm-hmm. That'd be all right. Yeah, we're gonna get real weird with it too. You're yeah. not getting fucking Shenmue in a communist society. I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can if you can convince the uh, arts council of Shenmue. Well, you know what? But no I guess that's to. not true. I guess that's not, I guess communist societies actually love to fund giant, crazy, hubristic art projects that capitalist societies would never bother. Uh, check out War and Peace out I was now. Gonna say like you yeah. know like that's the thing is we all pull together and we have a monumental project. That's the, that, that's the thing that capitalism doesn't give you anymore. We don't get fucking cathedrals under capitalism. You just you it's, just get you get the one you get instead of it being like whatever corporations willing to bet big today you get like the no this is the the administration behind it you're getting the one massive fucking movie you get the Red Cliff yeah. you get War and Peace right you get the yeah. uh, and to be fair yeah, some of the greatest movies of all time so you know yeah. maybe we will but get like Shemu three Spider Man two is out the window immediately get fucked never happening. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. If we're if we're building these massive show off uh, artistic products in video games, they're going to have to uh, be better than Spider Man. And then the rest of the time, you get the the Daniel Carms, like you know, off in the corner, scrawling IF, like you know, pieces of shit on, like you know, um, Inkle. Uh, also, everyone still hates each other because oh yeah, that's what I th- when I think of Soviet film uh, film production, I think of how um uh the uh, I forgot their names, but um. The, the the two constantly fucking beefing the man with the movie camera guy and the um battleship Potemkin guy who just, just fucking hate just entirely hate each other and have completely different philosophical outlooks on film uh we're doing that for video games which we're already doing that on twitter all the time uh, let's be less racist about it we won't have jonathan blow posting tweets anymore oh fuck <laughs> finally um <laughs> All right. Uh, Hilver writes in, I love the idea of Shenmue as a benchmark of how your approach to talking about games developed in the last 10 years. That's not why we picked it, for the record. I would like to make it clear. Didn't do that. It was just happenstance. I just how think would it was the, a nice one. How would the M and Jackson of 2013 found playing Shenmue? Bad. Well, no, you'd have found it basically the same. I'd have gone, ooh, I'm I don't so think I would have been as into it as I am now. I feel like my taste in games is, like, much more open. Uh, much more willing to take things as they lie. I think you would have bounced right the fuck off of it. <laughs> I think I'd have gone on. I mean, even this week, we have people going, Jackson's going to hate Shenmue because they're going to be like, oh, I've got to finish it too fast. Oh, I've- It is really weird to me when you're like, oh, I'm going to do the entire third disc on, on Friday. When I was like, every day I went, like I played the work, like the forklift days, day, like I played one day a day. I came home from work and then I signed into my forklift job and then I did that and then I turned off the PlayStation. That's such a wild um, way to play this game. <laughs> to be fair, when I said that, I was looking at a guy that was like, oh, I'm um, 13, 15th through the game. I only got two pages left in this walkthrough. I didn't realize that 45 minutes of those every day was forklift. I didn't realize the like, way the game was laid out. So it did yeah. take me longer yesterday than I thought it would. But um, I, 
we still have people thinking I was going to bounce this game like this this week. People, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how people see my sensibilities. Uh, I guess I get thinking that because I can get annoyed when games are frustrating. Um, but I don't know. This one just hit right. I, I mean, don't the think thing is that right you're very good at separating. I had to. I played this all in like four days with my opinions on the other side. If you came in every time like, oh, I, everything sucked at the end because oh, I'd play it too fast, then we'd have to have a talk. But you don't do that, so it's fine. Also, like that wasn't. It wasn't even that. Like I, I finished. Yeah. I, I finished uh soon to recording but i wasn't rushing um I didn't rush yeah, no, no, but there's there's been games where that's definitely the that's the thing where i like i need the space where like when we played 16 i was like i need this get this game out of my life so i'm not just complaining about fucking playing it <laughs> the game was bad right so whatever yes. but um i like having the time to decompress and kind of be in long-term thinking mode and not short-term thinking mode and you were fine just like letting go of the experience of playing it much quicker than i am and it works, it works well i'm the you. other way and once i move on to a new thing i'm not like i just am so hyper focused that i work better i finish the thing i do the podcast and then i go on to the next thing that is generally how i i operate yeah that's not i like to turn the thing over in my head for a couple of weeks after i'm done mm-hmm. um if abnormal mapping covered games they released what do you think the best 10-year block would be based on games that take out came out in those 10 years e.g only games between 1993 slash 2003 your choice uh, if the games are played chronologically or pick and choose one per month this is the easiest question in the fucking here's the thing is i looked at the zemo and i'm like i think i would maybe pick 93 to say yeah that's i might push it up a year but yes (laughs) yeah i think you just kind of nailed the perfect time because it gives you the entire playstation library which is like three lifetimes of video games the the only question is like how late do you start it are you starting at 96 are we going like keeping like the late no there's too many interesting games before that i might do i think it's i think it's 94 to to I think I can cut off 93. I'm fine with well, 93. I think it's what do you get in 2004 that you don't well, get? But- Metal Gear Solid 3? Ninja Gaiden... Ninja, no, not Ninja Gaiden Black. Ninja Gaiden, Devil May Cry 3. Uh, uh, Devil May Cry losses. 3. Great, no great loss there. I mean, the thing is, with 1994, you're slapping, starting bang on with Shaq Fu. Um, and that's the way to start your, you know, your, 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 your game decade. You're giving up, you're giving up Doom. You're Doom giving is up the Mist. one... Doom you're is giving the one... Up, <laughs> You're giving up uh, Link's, uh, Link's Awakening. Um, You're giving uh, up a cool uh, I'm spot. Read, uh, I'm going. I'm going to backlogged. I've sought by popularity for the year 2004. Here are the games you gained. Uh, you gained Pokemon Emerald. You gained Metal Gear Solid Three. You gained Spider Man Two. You gained Thousand Year Door. You gained Halo Halo Two. Uh, I, there's Underground no question 2. that 93 to 2003 is my answer. Katamari Damacy, Warrior West. Mist Alone. Mist Alone shoots Katamari in the head, and Katamari is your best shot. So. Oh, you you do you do lose Vampire the Masquerade podcast. You have to no no no. We're stopping this podcast. Did you just say the mist (laughs) is better than Katamari Damacy? That is yes, absolutely, absolutely. That that is absolutely not the hydrogen bomb coughing baby situation you made out to be. Katamari Damacy (laughs) stars. Those are both titans. They're both titans. Yes, this is. But in my taste, mist clears Katamari every time. I'm not saying I'm offended by the idea of preferring Mist to Katamari Damacy. I'm offended by the idea of those, those are as good as it gets. Both of them. <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, I'm looking at 2004. I think like, I understand. You do lose Doom and Mist are the big ones. You fucking lose Doom and Mist, but uh, you do get some of the best. This is just me being too PS2 brained. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. The same burnout part. three. Burnout three. Burnout three. That's that's important. But is no, it's not. See the thing is, I have the eternal grudge against Mist, so I'm 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 I soundly. Know. You're also wrong, but it's fine. Oh, we got um, 
uh, the, the, the uh, I forgot his name, but the guy, <laughs> John Walker, guy, John Walker, yeah, <laughs> on this call. Yeah, I didn't know you had the missed grudge. I assume your missed grudge is less. Uh, it was the casual games and much more like you had a different adventure game. I, I assume it's more adventure game it, driven. No, it's entirely. I made this really fancy multimedia hypercard stack in school. Um, like, and Mist came out the week before I finished it. You do realize they were making hypercard stacks. I know, stacks but mine was Mist, super right? multimedia. That's the difference. <laughs> uh, this is such a okay. funny reason. Yeah. Um, Brendan writes in. I'm a big Doom fan, but the modding scene does feel overwhelming with the bre- depth and breadth. Are there any mods you're particularly curious about? The answer is we do not follow the mod scene for anything. No. Yeah. I have a few things I kind of pay attention to, but yeah, no. Uh, I'm, I would love to. We've we've even talked about, like, what if we wanted to do an episode going through Doom mods? That's a real five years ago type decision we would have made. I think we, we wouldn't even feel yeah, comfortable talking about it. I, I genuinely just, it's one of those things where it's like, we could spend the time and do 10 hours of Doom mods and have a good time and talk about some cool games. Um, but we would be touristing in one of the most well-reported segments yes. of video games that exists, and I feel like I feel like that's rude to do. Yeah, but I still want to have an excuse to do the ten hours. Right? I want to do the. Time I think. I think. I think the, the actual answer is that we need to find in ourselves the energy to do the ten hours on our yes. own and not do a podcast about it. Which you know, I'm not doing Doom mods, but I'm doing my best. Yes, your game. Your <laughs> see, see the forty game. hours of video, forty minutes of video games I had at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but there are things that I'm like there are products I would like to do and like force myself to do for reasons. But I don't. I just don't think the podcast will be worth it at the end. I just need to do them for doing them. Yeah. Um, what author should get their own vanity studio to develop games based on their work, a la Tom Clancy and Red Storm or Michael Crichton and Timeline Entertainment? <laughs> uh, Yukio Mishima. <laughs> Ghost of. Uh, God. <laughs> um, I'm setting up the... Uh, uh, <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, I'm just visioning this. I shouldn't. Entirely, I can't talk or breathe now. Because it's fucking quick. I don't even I mean, We have to support <laughs> queer games. <laughs> God damn it. Oh my God. I just, I, I, I just uh, the entire, the entire, like, timeline of that spreading out before me. And the queer, the, the tender queer backlash. <laughs> I <laughs> point covering it. <laughs> break deer. We broke deer. I didn't. I didn't mean to do that. Oh my god! I was like, Jack's gonna roll their eyes because I see Mission all the time for all sorts oh of things. God. You do. You do say Mission all the time for all sorts of things. Uh, it is a very cartoonish answer, but um, I appreciate it. Um, does any 3D platformer have a fun combat system? You didn't even let me say John Wick away. Oh, sorry, I forgot you didn't answer. But it would be just, it would be that, obviously, be that. That's my guy. He's my guy. The ghost of. Ghost of, yeah. Irish ghost. <laughs> Is that different? Well, no, it's just important to note that uh, uh, John McCurry did not die an Englishman. Yeah, fair enough. Incredible, incredible quote. What a powerful quote about like one of the most famous British authors of all time. Uh, to be like, no, he renounced the shit. Uh, he's gone back to Ireland. Fuck you. What a king. I guess okay, Jackson, really yes. important. Does any 3D platform have a fun combat system? Um, I mean, Spark's combat system wasn't even that bad, but yes, I, like, I don't know. I, Ratchet and Clank is a great yeah, combat Ratchet system. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, that's true. That's so, a good answer. Um, I actually like the way Mario punches and kicks his in 64. Does Remember Me count as a 3D platformer? 
like if we expect like if we expand this to include like Tomb Raider type games and like Tomb Raider Legends in instantly because I really like the combat in Tomb Raider Legends. It's very short. Oh, you, you like reason. dodging and then shooting a tiger in the head yeah. seventeen times. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I actually do like that. <laughs> what about Kingdom Hearts? Kingdom Hearts has got good combat system. Um, Damn, you got it. I guess that's true. I, I, I only one the only one the only one you can even count on a three D platformer. Um, <laughs> uh, I've seen. I saw you go through that room in Look, Birth the by amount Sleep. of bullshit I jumped on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that has neither good combat nor good platforming. <laughs> Uh, uh, this doesn't say good 3D platformer. It just says a 3D platformer with a fun yeah, combat system. Uh, I will go with Kingdom Hearts on that one. Okay. I do think Ratchet and Clank, Ratchet and Clank is a good, yeah. The, 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 the shotgun in the in, in a Rift Apart alone, like, goddamn. I, I just, I just uh, continue to stump for uh, Remember Me. No one else cares. Jackson, when a Rift Apart is on sale for like $3, get that shit. Shotgun fucking okay. rules. Is it not on PS Plus or some is shit at this point? I don't know. I don't think you understand the the thing keeping me in the way from playing Rift Apart, which is playing seven fucking Russian crank games first. Oh. <laughs> don't, I don't do, do this. that. I was like, I went back to do this, and I was like, oh, all these games are the fucking same. I yeah, can't Yeah, I didn't do, do that. This. I played one Ratchet & Clank game, and then I reviewed Ratchet & Clank or Rift Apart. I played three. There of, you go. I the played is, four of them. The thing is, I'm not... While that is true... And I do agree with it in concept. I also have no, there's no reason I would like necessarily go gravitate to the newest one. I might just play the old ones and not go forward, right? Because I'm, if I'm going to play the same amount, I'd probably rather play the PS2 no, you games. Should play, you should play either Crack, crack in Time, Rift Time Rift Park, yes, I know. Ones. I know Crack in Time is the one. If, if Rift Apart, Crack in Time good, is it that good? I don't, I don't know what the opinion is of people. I liked it. I think it just looks, it looks super fucking nice as the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, anyway, what mundane chore, job, everyday life thing that still needs to be turned to a minigame do you want to see the most? Eating. Eating has I'm been sure. turned to a minigame many times. But not in mm. not in games where it really needs to be in that. That is my problem. I think it's weird. I think it's weird that Ryo doesn't It is eat weird. Food. You can buy food, but you yeah. can't eat it. He drinks. Um, I, there, he there really fucking drinks like, sodas. They must have had a conversation as to whether they were like survival mechanics in Shemi, which is a weird term but i just mean like you have to eat at lunchtime yeah. you've got to have a drink every so often not in yeah. terms of the, like you'll die but just in terms of like keeping to- on top of your daily schedule uh, we i had the thing because like i don't i like in when i play like yakuza right like i don't i don't give a shit about i'm just gonna chug the heats like the bad energy drinks give i'm the reason kiryu's got cancer right but um <laughs> I do like going into the restaurants and seeing the beautiful menus and all the food you can order, even though I don't really care about ordering it. And I, the, the, when you can't do that in this game, I was like, oh, this is the one thing that no, I do that, miss. Is, is like weird bespoke. That is that menus. is the thing that I think is 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 missing from Shenmue. And I do I like that is. But I, but I'm going to say I also think that it's missing from Yakuza because Yakuza has Yakuza has the food. It has the menus, mm. but it doesn't have the relationship to eating and drinking that no. it needs. And I think that's that yeah. is the thing that, that you know the one thing that we do get is we you know and, I, and this is um judgment. Judgment will give you the the opportunity to sit around and smoke. Um which is like it's it's such a profound thing to add in um that's like stupid. But it's just like no, like watching uh what's his face in judgment have a cigarette. It's like okay, yeah. Like this is this is grounding you in such a weird human way. Um and I think Shenmue, Shenmue needed food of some kind, but the drinking, Ryu just beast moding a soda right <laughs> next to, like in three gulps, and then like the the way his eye, his one eye gets small, and then he's like, oh yeah, it's good, and then just throws the can away. And it's just like, yeah, that's 
this very weird human like dude who's like in a rush kind of quirk of just like slamming a soda before he has to go drive a forklift like yeah okay um this reminds me that i had a glitch the day after i saved um nozomi from the thing after i ride back on the bike and have that incredible song um when um uh, Rio went to went to bed and woke up. Uh, his eyes didn't load in, so the eyes were purely oh, white. Shit. So he just opened up with like terrifying white eyes. I was like, this, "Hang on, did the story thing happen?" And no, it was a glitch. But there was like a moment where I was like, "Has, has Rio been possessed by a demon? Did we go? Did, did the game take a hard turn?" That's what the, you, the Phoenix mirror is real. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've heard the PC version has been giving some people some specific problems in our Discord. So, oh yeah, okay. Maybe not the way to uh, play it if you have the option of playing the PlayStation version. I, I did this way, so it's yeah, fine. No, it's fine. Um, Kyrie writes in, every 20 years, there's something spellbinding and being able to goof off around town. Or even 20 years later, something spellbinding and being able to goof around and inspect every little thing. Um, this is what Yu Suzuki described as free, full reactive eyes entertainment. Uh, what other games do you think count as free? <laughs> Uh, I love uh, when Japanese devs just make up. Here's my new fucking stupid ass genre term. Sometimes they stick around. Sometimes you get like survival horror and it just becomes like it catches on. Uh, sometimes you get strand <laughs> game and you go, Kojima, that one's nothing. That one's not sticking around. <laughs> um, uh, it's great. I like full full reactive eyes entertainment. What a stupid thing. Yes, but what is full? What other games count as free? Um. I was thinking about this because, you know, when you sent the questions, I, I genuinely, like, I don't even know. Like, I, I, was, I, was, I was just like, uh, I, I'm not sure. Shenmue 2 this. and 3. Um, yeah, like Shenmue 2 and 3. I mean, I, I, I would be shocked if Shenmue 3 counts with this because, like, the idea of doing this on an indie game budget in 2019 is crazy to me. We um, are in a podcast with literally the only person on Earth who loves Shenmue 3. You can't say this. <laughs> um, I'm excited. Everyone hates it. Even the Shenmue fans were annoyed by it. But you think it's beautiful. So I and I, you know what? I trust you more the than Shenmue anyone else. So like I'm so Shenmue excited. Thing? I I, I did I not pay attention I, to what anyone else with uh, who who cares about Shenmue says. I never do, and I never will. I mean, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Shenmue. Thing I googled. Life, I googled I Shenmue three. Like, and the first YouTube video is Shenmue three is a terrible game, and I have wasted my life. Shenmue three life is a night. That, that is from. Don't ever believe in anything. That is from Super Eyepatch Wolf. Okay. Yes, that's from Super Eyepatch Wolf, who has a video about Shenmue 1 and 2 well, loving them. Whatever. Super Eyepatch Wolf's and name keeps showing up, and whenever I see their name show up, I think, wow, you must be an asshole. So, Super Eyepatch Wolf, you must be an asshole. Uh, no, he's like a weepy guy. That's he's an asshole thing to be. Mother th- weepy guys <laughs> are weepy guys the most asshole thing to be. Um, I'm not. I'm not starting beef with Super Eye Patch. I will start beef with Super Eye Patch Wolf because I'm already about to start. Like I'm about to fucking nuclear war with angry video game nerds. So let's fucking bring <laughs> it. <laughs> you have been getting mad with 15 year old and angry video game nerd videos like that completely honest thing. I've been laughing so hard. Like, well, because <laughs> because because you you motherfuckers were supposed to shut this shit Me? down at the time. Uh, 
I, I like classic angry medium nerd. Sorry, I, I no, can't, he's a I fucking can't, moron. Uh, I could make I could make an explanation of why I believe that that stuff is good, but I'm not going to spend 20 minutes having a fight that I know I'm not going to like win anyway. Yeah, because he, he, I don't because he was too fucking stupid to read the Mylon Secret Castle video game here's manual. He's playing it up. He doesn't actually think. Yeah, these here's, here's, the, here's the fundamental thing that happened that I think sucks. Like it, it is on people like him, um, where he comes out of like the the Sean Baby crack.com style like very like sarcastic like the attention is meant to be loving even when he's like taking the piss out of the object but then everyone ran with this without understanding that that's where yeah. this comes out of and so the generation under him is just people mad about things that they yeah. truly believe yeah and, and he should have done that i could tell you human yeah. i could tell you how humanity works come on yeah but I do, I do think that on some level, especially I haven't watched, I know he's still going. I haven't watched any of these in over 10 years. Uh, but I, I watched the classic ones a lot back in the day when there was less YouTube around to watch when I was eating lunch. Right. Um, <laughs> and, um, I have a fondness for them. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, he clearly likes his, uh, old NES games, even though he's getting mad about how much they suck, uh, in a way that I'm like, when you, when this leads to fucking angry Joe, right? Just screaming about whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, none of these things are free. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah. Luke writes in, if you could pick one feature or aspect of Shenmue that you'd want to become majorly influential on future video games, which one would it be? Um, I think more guys should steer like cars, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the, like, for me, it's just the town and the... Uh, what if you had a really small space that was completely like everything and it was authored? Um, that's where I want, like, when you have your own... The problem is, well, the, the, the way they do it now is, you know, you get your big team full of people doing <laughs> intense amounts of labor in a way that can, like, scale up to make something even even bigger, bigger, right? The Red Dead version. Yeah. Um, whereas I want the focus on something much smaller and achievable. I think, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing is, you know... Yakuza, if Yakuza was in the scale of this, you know, of a Dubuita, can you imagine? Like, the, okay, the, you, we we mentioned Yakuza because it is the technical like successor, but the actual game that is on the Shenmue scale is Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. Yeah, um, is the game I think of. Like that is it's not out of the same lineage at all, but it just ends up no. in a very similar space, especially the first mm-hmm. couple maps. But I think if Yakuza is a game um, that's actually finished and playable, and not you know. Yes, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's for damn sure. But um, I do think of Double Eater in a similar sense to the. Like, I think, I think, you're, I think like, in terms of scale, you are one hundred percent correct. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the th- the actual thing, not just staring guys like cars. Though I do think that would it couldn't hurt. Um, is uh, take out systems and have them interact less. Fuck systems. Um, I agree. I'm I'm not an anti system as you, but I I understand the urge. I like I like when systems interact. Um, but uh, I, I get why yeah, you no. say this. I do think Shenmue wouldn't be improved with. Systems. I love when I love when systems interact. I do love games that are about systems interacting specifically. But also, um, if if yeah, less interaction, more siloing of processes. Uh, let's go. Yeah. It's, it's weird because I, I like you say I with both of us I feel like me and Dia both. Uh, I mean I love authorship. Like, like, <laughs> Well, yeah, no, everyone here loves Ulster, but I feel like me and Dia both have a little more tendency towards, like, here's the annoying systemic game with a bunch of things that overly, uh, like, interact and connect with each other. Um, like, I was, I didn't expect Anne to like the um, 
daytime thing because you hate uh dead rising uh like the yeah, time but there's stuff. literally no pressure on the video game <laughs> yeah no i know i mean i know that now playing on the other side but like just in terms of your taste i was worried going in like oh and how how stressed am i going to be and then i realized there's literally no pressure on the video game no it it became uh, one of those things where i yeah. just really like like the first couple of times replaying it like and i didn't remember it maybe reminded reminded me of the first time i played this game but when the day shifts and you get the nighttime cutscene, greatest it's greatest incredible. Scene in video games. It's absolutely like yeah. you know, yeah. No, nothing compares. But the main thing for me is like I don't even know how one could accidentally hit April fifteenth, where the game gives you the bad end. Um, you have you'd have to go for it. That's that's so far away. <laughs> that's so far away. I think that is one of those things where um, they put that in because they could. Yeah. And like, it's one of those, like you you uh, have, you, you literally just have to sit there and let the console run kind of thing. Yeah. Cause you can't skip days. You can't no. skip days. They don't, you can't no. like skip time or push time faster. You have to just let time happen. Yeah. The way to like the, the, the closest you get to cheesing it is deliberately failing the sneaking into the warehouse district over and over and over again. Yeah. Cause you can skip, you, you can, that is the way you can skip a day like instantly. Yeah. Um, but normally you just gotta let the, the game just go. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Inchimeka writes in looking back 10 years, what's a game or type of game that you enjoy now that you never expected to like? And what's a type of game that you've soured on in the past 10 years? Um, I feel like I have soured on. I was about to say RPGs, but that's not like like because I used to before I was a JRPG person. I liked uh, you know. I was about to say what RPGs did you play ten years ago, Tex? Well, I was like I played all the Bioware games. I always thought myself like yeah, I like oh, the fucking true. talky RPGs, um, and yeah. I feel like I don't play those much anymore. But I do like them when I do. I just haven't played them recently. Is I guess the thing because I you know. I yeah, love but you're not out here like, oh, when, when Direwolf comes out, I'm going to fucking jump on that one. Right, yeah. I do think I, I've, my tastes have shifted, but it's not like I'm like against them now. Um, I definitely like shooters more. Uh, yeah, shooters is a big one for me. Uh, if you listen to the first begin- episodes of these podcasts, I talk a lot about how I don't like shooters. Dumbass. <laughs> Get over yeah. yourself. Turns out that's not true. Uh, the ones I've soured on, probably just Nintendo's whole deal. Um, not that they don't make great games. I played a little bit of Super Mario Wonder this morning. Seems really good. But um, it's fucking Nintendo. Who cares? Of course they're good. They have infinite resources and they make the same three games over and over again forever. I'm going to keep making my post like, oh, Nintendo proves that uh, if you just keep your staff around, you can make good games. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll do that. I'll start by owning the Nintendo Switch and all the profits therein. Uh, that'll be my <laughs> first fucking step to making good video games. What a great piece of re- replica advice for other companies. Jesus. Just win everything and then you'll then you'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Uh, decade two, the goal is uh, get into RTS games. That's my one. That's my biggest white whale, I feel like. Um, good luck with that. I won't be joining Excited you. for that one. Yeah. Um, I'll do turn-based I would tactics. Say, I would say strategy ga- or tactics games, but I'm literally playing. I have to play tactics after this podcast because I haven't recorded this week's episode yet, which will already be out uh, for $5. Make sure to comment on mapping. Uh, <laughs> but the time's episode goes live. Um, Faden writes in, what mundane tasks should be in Shenmue? Uh, karaoke and eating. Yeah, there's the karaoke bar, but you can't like. I didn't find a way to go. I, I went there and they were there's like, yeah, no, there's... Yeah. I know that that's just like the thing Yakuza does, right? But it is the only. It is the thing I like most. Yakuza is eating all the food and going into the karaoke and singing all the karaoke songs. Like, 
I don't give a shit about the rest of Yakuza. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Man, what if what if um, Rio uh, controlled like the Space Harrier? This is my first time playing Space Harrier, by the oh way. Oh my god! Oh really? Yeah, I never played Space Harrier before. I was like, this is such, such a weird thing. I played Space, a bit Space Harrier. Space Harrier is pretty good. I had a good time. Um, yeah. I played a bunch of Hang On, which I have played before. But then yeah, I Hang On's also the thing is game. the thing is Space Harrier when in the arcade with the the wild ass uh, joystick is is the way to play Space Harrier. It's so weird that I, I think that most of Shenmue is like really diegetically consistent. It's like thematically trying to portray this like narrative through its systems and through its design. Um, and the one moment it breaks that like as wide open as it is possible to break it is the moment that like so he's going to save uh, Nozomi, uh, and you play Hang On in real life. <laughs> you just play Hang On in real life, and that's the way you control it. And at no other point has anything else like represented that. You're not like bringing in your experience with darts into how you know it just doesn't. Inter- it's not. It's not until Bayonetta had right. the, the stage where you're playing uh, where you're playing a uh, afterburner. Uh, but it, like. I was taken out by that moment. As I'm like, I'm playing the hang on and playing hang on in, in real life on a real motorcycle. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what to do with it. Cause it's so outside of the scope. Like thematic. I'm like, how do I work that into my grand thematic read of Shenmue? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's just cool. It's just a cool thing it's you just, do. It's cool. Yeah. Um, Abyss rhythm writes in, uh, want to ask what your favorite game of all time is. I fucking know. Please listen to what next week. <laughs> Number one with a bullet. Pick one. Mine's probably Final Fantasy VIII. If there's a different, if there's a different answer in that VoIP life that comes out next week, uh, I'll be surprised. Um, I think my my current. I'm gonna check what my backlog current number one is. Um. Uh, it's currently live alive, but that can be from like my top five. My, my five top at the top in backlog are Norco, Ninja Gaiden Black, Live Alive, Spark Three, and uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, which I think is a good spread. Um, but it depends what I'm thinking about any given day. My top five are Final Fantasy VIII, uh, Rhythm Heaven, Mega Mix, uh, House and Fate of Morgana, Moon, and Paradise Killer. Yeah. Um, your favorite game you've played in the last five years? Oh, did you have one? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's easy. We just did an entire yeah. podcast about it. Shenmue. Shenmue is easily my, my favorite um, game of all time. Shenmue Goated. Uh, it's either that or Loom. Like, they're, the two of them will wrestle off a cliff Man, to the end, at the end of time. Uh, favorite game you played in the last five years? Um, I guess it would just be the same answer for most of our shit. Most of my games on this list are actually games I've played in the last five years. Because one of the things I know, how I know abnormal mapping is working, um, is uh, most of my favorite games I've played since we've done the podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not just sitting here like all the games I played when I was 14 are my favorite games. There is Final Fantasy VIII. I, I don't know what to do about that. I just love Final Fantasy VIII. But, but you've uh, also replayed it. You've, it's, that's not a thing yes. that's like sat dormant. You're, you've replayed yeah. it and your thoughts on it have changed. It's probably that's Flower, Sun, and Rain um, for me in the last five years. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fucking good. Um, um, yeah. Favorite genre? <sighs> this is impossible for me to answer. I genuinely don't know because I'm like, they're all, I, mean, I guess like you go action game sticker, but also RPGs. Um, I know by my tendencies. Uh, I think I think my answer is probably rhythm game, even though I don't like I don't play them constantly or anything. But they are, I think, the one that like even a bad one I'll have a pretty good time with. Speed platform. It's not a real. It's not a real genre. Sonic games. <laughs> Sonic games is not a real genre, so I can't just say that. I was gonna say you also don't like half the Sonic games. No, but the, when, when there is nothing better than a Spark Electric just the three it's not actually the best game. It's like the least consistent one on my favorite list. Um, but when it hits, it is my favorite thing to do. 
Like, um, is your favorite genre? Uh, I guess uh, arcade fighter jet games. <laughs> like honestly, okay, like if I, if I have to pick a genre, it's gonna be like fucking Afterburner. Like that's that's just Afterburner Climax is on the top hundred games, best games. Like I just like you know like OG Afterburner in the arcade is probably, and that's the thing. I guess the thing is like, my distinction is uh, arcade vehicular games. <laughs> if we don't have a if we don't have a cockpit or a seat, I don't care. No, fair enough. Um, Medea writes in, if Shen was your life, what kind of guy killed your father? What skills would you bring to exact vengeance? I would just let them, let my dad be dead. I'd get over it. Go to therapy. My dad is dead. <laughs> I did go to therapy. Nobody yeah. killed him. Yeah. If I had the option to just go <laughs> no, like ride him, a forklift and like have a two hour lunch and, and just like, you know, be chill with, with, with my partner and, you know, um, a, a weird, uh, karate dojo at the top of a hill um the amount the amount of shenmue i spent daydreaming about quitting my job and becoming a forklift driver in the 1980s yeah like there's like like, rio what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) sounds pretty good to me yeah it's like a skill it's like a it's an engaging skill like using a forklift is a thing you like you have to think about but it's also not the most like mentally taxing thing in the world you got your boys uh, in terms of like jobs, like, Ryo's job in this game seems like, pretty sure, good. I'd take care of the Mad Angels, but like once you take care of the Mad Angels, like you know, go be a forklift driver. Yeah. Uh, Jen writes in one of the most impressive things about Shenmue is the way it guides you to each objective while making you feel like you're doing most of the work. Are there other other games you played where the progression from A to B feels completely natural? Uh, this is just the like you know I'm, Snatcher was the one I went to because it's the one we played recently that I'm thinking of, but like. This is just the Japanese adventure game yeah. design, right? This is just the, the way, mm-hmm. the method. Mm-hmm. When they're good, when they're true. fucking good. Um, I do think that like a really good adventure game is one where this is true. I, I think of the Blackwell games, which I always talk up and nobody ever plays, but uh, they're good. And they're very good about this because there's no there's no cat mustaches in Blackwell games. Let me tell you an adventure game that didn't do this, and that was Monkey Island 2. No. Monkey Island 2 is pretty... It's okay, you know? It's, it's yeah. Grim Fandango. Dia recently <laughs> okay, played Grim Fandango. You know Grim Fandango has some fucking puzzles that suck ass. Yeah, Grim Fandango, I was looking at the solutions to puzzles so I could get... I still have to finish like, that cool because sequence. of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, honestly, I think I was like... I was thinking about it, I was like, 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 Flower, Sun, and Rain, actually... The thing I love about Flower, Sun, and Rain is the way it is predicting my... Predict- its predictability... If that makes yes. sense. Um, yeah. It knows we're going to go talk to Edo every yeah. time and it's going to give you direction, but that is where the next plot beat is. And like, it will spin it out in weird mm-hmm. ways from there. Right. Like it's good. Yeah. If you have not watched me and Dia playing flower center rain, we have uh, two episodes left probably as the time this will come out. And um, maybe one, I guess if we record tomorrow night um, and we're, we're motoring. It's good. Fucking incredible game. Uh, Crass writes in, would Sega have won the console wars if Sonic the Fighters came out in 1986? I read this this way because there's 8,000 slot machines in between every line here. <laughs> Pull a Dia. Um, I don't care uh, about the question, but I do have to say how cool it is that Shenmue, uh, has the option to press the go button or pull the lever on the shot slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel like that is encapsulating of every bit of design value that Shamu has. Yeah, fair uh, 
Anyway, no. <laughs> no, the answer is no. I mean, this is just predicting the way oh. slot machines are now, where they have the fake arm on it, but then ultimately you just press a button that says go. Uh, yes. Uh, Crystal writes, and other than Shenmue, what are your favorite games that represented next gen in their own time? Mario 64, one of the greatest games ever made. Can't get more next gen than that. I don't think of it as it's weird. I understand it. It absolutely is. Like it's like oh, inarguably. Yes. I was losing I when I when they when I first saw a video of it, like I the, like Nintendo sent the tapes around, the VHS you put in and tell you about the Nintendo 64, please buy one. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and you you're correct. Like, yes. For some reason I just don't like the 3D to 2D break is such a like a break thing that I'd think of oh yeah, early 3D games. I don't think of like what it must have been like to not know 3D games. And then there's Mario 64. No, it was so well because <laughs> yeah. I remember I didn't get one. Um so I rent you could you know you used to be able to rent systems from Blockbuster. And so I rented a Nintendo 64 um like the the week they came out and I rented, you know, we got Mario mm. 64 with it. And I brought it home. And even my stepfather, who would like routinely just shit on console graphics and was like, why are you playing console games when you could be playing PC <laughs> games? Um, was just like, this is fucking incredible. And I was just like, yeah, this is this is blowing my whole entire goddamn world apart right now. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, yes, that is the correct answer. However, my gut goes to like one thing on like <sighs> The thing is, Mario 64 and Shenmue are both, like, true, right? They're both masterpiece <laughs> fucking video games that are, like, iconic yeah. things. However, when I think of this, what I'm actually thinking about is uh, the terrible depth of field in Blue Dragon. That's what I think of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my friend who had a 360 way before I did did have me come over and look at Blue Dragon. And he, he had a whole surround sound setup. He's just one of these guys. Uh, the one who convinced me to get a surround sound setup, I deeply regretted the rest of the time I had a surround sound setup. Um, and uh, the depth of field and, like, it had the 5.1 sound where the birds are chirping and then everything's a fucking depth of field because he had an HDTV way before I did and uh, it looked great but it didn't convince me to buy a 360 it was seeing Grand Theft Auto 4 being played and the way Nico could like bounce into people and knock them over and all the weird animations that made me go I need to get a 360 this is so fucking cool oh and that that ended up being a great it's a I mean, I really like GTA 4, so, you know, Yeah, whatever. but that, that's like, speaking of, like, I, I kind of thought it was not exactly Shenmue-esque, but I would say 4 is the closest it gets with, like, all the weird stuff in 4 that just immediately yeah. sanded out to become the biggest money game of all time. Yes. It's, it's so funny, like, thinking of, like, the things it made, the, the, the console sellers for me, like, mm-hmm. um, for Super Nintendo, it was UN Squadron. Um, for the um, N64, it was Mario 64. For... The PlayStation, it was just the fact that it was the PlayStation and like the advertising for that was just like, no, no, no. Everything you know is going to completely be chained and thrown into a loop because of this. And I liked Ridge Racer and not well enough, um, but mostly I just played Rayman. Um, the PlayStation 2, uh, fucking ready to rumble boxing. And it oh was just God. like, man, this looks like fucking action figures. Uh, PlayStation 3, I think I just got because it was the the next thing. But the Dreamcast was Shenmue. Uh, Saturn was yeah. Panzer Dragon. And I, um, you said yeah, I did. So obviously you grew up yeah. with oh, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, my thing was I would just get the Nintendo console um, because I'd ask for it for my birthday or Christmas. Uh, usually, Sometimes I was like a joint present like oh here's your present and then like you know we got you some games so there's nothing this is your because my birthday is like october christmas is two months away you're spending 300 dollars on shit it's like you know um 
my parents were not super well off. Um, oh yeah, I was um, also the. If I'm getting a console, that's a joint. That's a, that's a double. Yeah, yeah. But I would just get them every year that they came out. Like the new console drops in November, I get it for usually for Christmas. You know. Um, oh, that wasn't me. I got um because I got the, my Xbox in 2003 because I had to. That was a hard. That was a hard fought battle to even convince my mom to allow me to get. Yeah, my parents uh, just always bought me the new console. I got the. That's not true. I got the Super Nintendo on my birthday the year that link to the past came out because i got it with link to the past because they did the fucking thing you do with your kids where they wrapped a link to the past and had me open it and then i go i can't play this like go to the closet and in the closet was a super nintendo (laughs) incredible what a you know (laughs) i i the funny thing is from after the playstation was actually the last console that like i ever got as like a christmas or birthday present and then the Mm. playstation 2 my mom bought one from who would yeah. be my 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 future boss in college her brother got two because he bought one on his own not realizing that his parents were going to buy him one for christmas and so he got two and so he sold one to my mom who didn't buy it for me but for her fucking self and she like sat God. there and was just like no this is my playstation too if you want to use it you can ask me and then she would tell me no <laughs> And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, you psychotic bitch? <laughs> because you couldn't get them. Yeah, like, I, that uh, was the so thing. It was like they were so hard to get at the time. And I was like, I can't buy. I have the money. Let me buy it from you. She's like, no, this is mine. Yeah, I um. So, I, yeah, I got Nintendo consoles just as a birthday Christmas matter, of course. Um, my brother got a PlayStation because I had a 64. And then I didn't use it until... My friends were like, have you heard of this Final Fantasy VII thing? And I was like, no, what's that? And they let me borrow a copy and my life was forever changed. Didn't To me, the PlayStation was like, oh, that's where all the fucking car games are. I don't give a fuck <laughs> about this because that's all my brother cared about. Oh, uh, just playing Gran Turismo? No, because he was like five years younger than me and he was like a 10. He was playing like fucking arcadey racers. Oh, no, see, oh, okay. you got to well, play like Kalik. You got to play Crazy Yvonne. Anyway, um, I didn't get a PS2 until 2005. With my first paycheck after I got kicked out of school. Oh, right, because you were a GameCube. You were a GameCube. Yeah, because I was a GameCube person. I, I My roommate had a PS2, and I played a bunch of it, and I was like, oh, I, I have Guitar Hero. I already bought Guitar Hero. Now that I'm home, I want to continue playing Guitar Hero. I need a PS2 to do that, so I'm going to buy a Slim. Um, and then caught up on... And like, I'd already played 10 in college. Instead of going to class, I played Pharmacy 10. Stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Classic game anecdote. Yeah. Um... And then the PS3 I got, I didn't get it because Metal Gear Solid was already out. But I basically it was, I think there was a price cut that probably spurred me getting it and then getting Metal Gear Solid at the same day. Um, okay. Yeah. So probably like late 2008, 2009 ish. Yeah. Yep. Uh, right before the big Sony hack, right? Oh, that's, that's 2011. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was later. They're like, I bought the greatest hits Metal Gear Solid 4. I got, so I got my, my Xbox One in 2003, then I got it, my 360 in 2007 for Halo 3. Um, but I was still kind of annoyed. I didn't actually want to upgrade. I was like, I, I was a very annoying principal child who was like, <laughs> I think that they should just make games for the old thing. Why do I have to keep buying new shit? You and um, every parent in America forever. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I had to, I, and then I definitely, my grandma bought me a second 360 with my one red ring. I remember going to the game in Kingston and the guy being like, you're going to need, you're going to need the insurance on this. I'm like, stop trying to fucking scam my grandma. I remember being 14 and having to tell her. They don't have the same like policy that the American, cause like I sent my 360 back four times. Um, this was like a, I was a year too late or something. I wasn't in the window. Oh, okay. Um, but then after, after that, I, 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 that one lasted till, uh, 2012 or whatever 
Um, and then after that, I, all my all my consoles that I bought in the abnormal mapping era, I bought myself. I bought my own PS3. Yeah. Um, I started hanging out with I, you, and then I immediately had every console. It was fucking weird. The only one happens. I didn't buy myself was the Wii U. I couldn't think of what to ask for for my birthday that year, so I just <laughs> told my family to get a Wii U because I was like, I guess I'll probably play some games on it. <laughs> uh, and you were correct. You did play some games on it. Yeah. Wouldn't call it like a thing I was ever excited about. I'm still not excited about the Wii U. Fuck the Wii U. Wii U sucks. <laughs> Um, they should have they should have kept the sense bar around. Autumn writes in, I made a wish on a monkey paw that for AM's second decade, it became your full time job. But unfortunately, it entailed you having to pivot to video. How would abnormal mapping look different in this world? Well, for one thing, we don't immediately have to get VTuber things. We're not going on camera. We're not doing on camera work ever. Um, I already got like a, I already got the bear. I, yeah. That's fine. I can do this. I just need someone to rig the bear. Whether it needs to be rigged or whether it's just like PNG stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't care about that, but well, we're definitely not doing on camera work. I'm just not. I like the idea of Jackson just getting I, I, I will, I will a, a Yuko from each Joe, uh, VTuber rig. <laughs> <laughs> I would but be like sued. a weird 3d model for no reason. <laughs> I would be sued if I made a copyrighted. No, you get like you <laughs> get like a weird three D version of it, like when like the Simpsons do three D models for the Simpsons, and and everyone's just like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, um, I did get the bear with the intention of actually doing this, like doing more YouTube shows or whatever, and then didn't. I was like, this is so much work. Why would I do this? I don't think it's actually gonna get more people to care about anything. I could just play the games myself, um, and then did that instead. Uh, <laughs> i guess if it's if it's already well here's the thing i guess i need i would need to know like the um who's who where, what's the job like how successful is it um, say we make enough to live on and we are in the same place i think i think one of the keys is that we have to be in the same God, place i can't believe you guys yeah. sold out to <laughs> kind of funny like that <laughs> oh we would in a heartbeat <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. Here's what I really want to do is uh, if I get the kind of we all get an office sort of thing is I want to do a fucking show. Uh, Dia, you're hired. You're you're a third chair for real now. And we're just going to dig through my mister every week. And you're going to tell me about old games. And I'm going to be like, no, no, actually, this one's good. I know you hate it when you were six, but you were fucking wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would love to hear you argue about uh, old games. I mean, I'll, I'll be the um, Jeff uh, in the uh, not Jeff the Ryan. No, the, see, the, the thing is, when I was six, uh, I left every game. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, fair enough. I just mean like I'm imagining this, and you're you're arguing, and then I'm like on my computer in the background, and occasionally will yell in uh, <laughs> like the contributions, like Ryan in the uh, Persona Four run. Yes. Um, the th- the thing I will th- definitely I'll definitely backseat Jackson through horror games for fun. The part of this question is like how much production because. It just depends if the production's all free. If we're pivoting to video and I'm not editing video, that changes a lot of what I can do. If like the hard grunt work, because that's the reason we're doing video. Here's the difference between you and me. I want to do totally unedited, like we're digging. I want to do Gerstmann or VTuber style. We're just sitting down playing a thing. You want to make essays. (laughs) There is a difference. I would like to do video. I've thought about doing video essays many times. And then the, the like exponential gulf and effort between writing a fucking normal essay and then turning it into a video is so large that it's never been worth it to like do one. I want to have some done because I'm like, it should be a skill I should be able to do and I'll be able to do it and I'll be decent at it. Uh, but individually, every turn, I'm like, well, every turn it would have been better to spend my time working on the podcast I've got coming up. Right? The immediate goals are so much more important than spending so many hours on thing that would have been a one-day essay. Um, that's the production issues with, with making videos. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, there's a follow-up question. What's the game that surprised you most in the last 10 years? Could be negative or positive. Autumn prefers positive surprises. 
the game that surprised us most doing this podcast. The, like surprised. That's so hard. It's hard not to say Doom because I think Doom, Doom for me was like, oh, this game is fucking good. They never they never beat it. I guess I guess it is. I mean, Doom was like our fourth episode. Uh, and we yeah. were both we were both dreading it. And we were doing this for like, you know, history reasons. Vegetable reasons. Yeah. Ended up being like the best thing of all time. Shenmue's, Shenmue's up there and positive. I didn't realize I was going to fall for it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. I was like, we'll do Shenmue. I want to have it done. And I was like, man, this is fucking good. Tomb Raider Legend. I I mean I brought Tomb Raider Legend because I want I I knew, I'd already played it and thought it was fucking sick. So I played it at the time and I thought it was okay. I didn't realize it was like going to be one of the coolest platformers ever. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Eric writes in. What's the biggest blind spot game you still have? I, too many. Literally millions of these games. I can't ask this. I just name I feel, one. What do you mean name one? Any of them? Name Majora's one. Mask. Name. There you go. Do you ever plan on playing it, or will you just leave it a blind spot the rest of your life? I do. I do. I keep planning on playing it. Um, one of mine is like WoW, but I'm not going to play WoW. Right. Um, no, you were gifted a second chance to play WoW, and now you didn't even take that. So, what was my second chance to play WoW? Everyone had a second chance. It was the first week of Classic before Classic became its own. Oh, I never would have done that. That's ridiculous. If you want, like, they did the closest things. If you want to like re-experience, no, that's wow. the thing. Like having missed uh, Wrath of the Lich King, I'm like, well, I'm never playing WoW again. Because that was that was that was that was when WoW was at its peak. Was Wrath of the Lich King? Yes, everyone loves so Wrath good. Of the Lich King. Um, I would say Tactics, but I'm currently playing Tactics. It has been my biggest blind spot for many years, though. I think Zeno Zeno uh, Gears is a weird one for me. That's when I'm like, why didn't I play it at the time? I had a copy. Uh, my friend had a copy that I borrowed for like a year. I never touched. Is mine is Halo? Is that? Uh, oh, man. Halo's Halo. really good. You wouldn't like Halo. What am I talking about? <laughs> Damn. I feel like you'd be. I feel like you'd be like, this shit is uh, both too smooth and too annoying. Like the, the sandbox is so small and restrictive in terms of its options of, of what you can do. Uh, the levels are all samey. Um and like the difficulty spikes are really high. I feel like Halo One would be against your sensibilities, but maybe I'm wrong. I, can, I mean, I can you do wrong. remember that I was Dude, playing the Destiny. shit out of Destiny Two before they started, like you know, fucking with my content. Oh, that's true. I guess you are yeah. already bungee pilled, so maybe you actually <laughs> yeah. you should play Halo. You should play uh. when they made real video games. <laughs> um, if you could pick one non Shenmue game to do a Shenmue style spinoff of, what would that be? Please interpret Shenmue style in whatever way makes sense. Super Mario Sunshine. Ooh, what's that look? What is that? I don't know, but Delphine Plaza hangout game. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. Persona. Um, what's that look like? <laughs> like Persona, but without all the fucking RPG <laughs> bullshits? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. At Persona 5, where you don't have to Damn. do the dungeons? Um, I think, annoyingly, my answer is probably Mass Effect. Yes, I, w- I mean, everyone's favorite part of Mass Effect is hanging around the Citadel. What yeah. if that was just a yeah. video game? Yeah, also not written by anyone at Bioware, please. In fact, just uh, I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> Let me write it. <laughs> um, and then third, you said at the end of last episode you plan on doing the other Shenmue games, but not right away. Are you waiting until the 20th and 30th anniversary episodes? No, those are not going to be every October. Maybe they will be, but they are not intended to be. But we would, we are guaranteeing at least one a year. 
Yes. We'll probably do one at some point next year. We haven't scheduled yeah. which one. We don't know how long the gap but will we're be. Not, it's not like, oh, every October we're going to sit down and play Shendo. No. That's not the goal. We're just going to do it sometime next summer, probably. We're not formalizing it. We'll just at some point go, I feel like it's Shenmue time. And then we'll it'll be yeah. Shenmue time. But if it gets to be September, we haven't done Shenmue yet. October Shenmue time. That's the that's the hard limit. Oh, the hard limit? I thought it was a, I thought like, oh, if it's November, you know. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I, I don't care that much. You have to line I'm, Shenmue I'm up excited. with you the actual Shenmue months time. that Shenmue takes place in, is the thing. Uh, we already no. failed to do that. So. <laughs> There's never a time yeah. to start like the present. Yeah. Um, Six writes in specifically about the way in which Shenmue is always compared to Yakuza and how annoying that is. Uh, but the question is, what other instances of gaming culture writ large deciding this game is that game but better drive you crazy? Does your blood boil when you remember how Call of Duty 1 pushed out old Medal of Honor games? Do you hate uh, how within its own series Mass Effect 2 just supplanted Mass Effect 1? Well, yes, that one I do. <laughs> Um, my answer of this is uh, people thinking uh, that Resident Evil 4 is the best Resident Evil. They're wrong and they don't know what they're talking about. Um, it fucking ruined Resident Evil. I didn't even ruin like some it. of Resident Evils after it, but fucking ruined Resident Evil. I mean, it would have happened regardless. I also wish that we could still make games with pre-rendered backgrounds. And be... The, and s- s- Resident Evil is doing fine. Uh, Code Veronica doesn't even have pre-rendered backgrounds. Great game. Fucking great game. People should play Code Veronica. The complaining about, I'm just saying, time happened and all I of know. our favorite Japanese games were forced to adapt to everything that fucking James, game journalists were yelling about. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's Resident Evil 4's fault. No, but this is my, this is my example here. It's funny because I think <clears throat> there, is a, there is a part of me that I think wants to say like the, the Kingsfield Demon Souls split. And you know oh, what? Yeah. Sure. I, I don't actually know if that's true anymore. Hmm. In what way? People still I know people still up. bring that up, but honestly, I don't know. I've, uh, on the one hand, I feel like there are a lot of people making, um, you know, first person uh, action RPGs in the vein of Kingsfield um, and never have stopped. On the other hand, I don't know that Kingsfield 4 wasn't kind of just like, this here we, we're done we're done we, we're moving on to the next thing um mm. if anything it might be it might be from software abandoning <laughs> uh bloodborne bloodborne becoming the part where they just become an action game manufacturer and not an rpg maker anymore yeah they got real good uh around 2015 at making video games <laughs> uh, jackson what's your answer um i don't i don't really like i guess my closest one is just the general way people talk about like every every time there's a discourse about how turn-based combat is outdated but that's not like a, a specific series really yeah that's um, fair but I, 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 I think mean, it fits I, the spirit the, the of the The pivot question. of Final Fantasy to being an action franchise it was a consideration yeah. for my answer, but yeah, but I'm I, more I, mad about Resident Evil. Yeah, but I just think that like whenever this comes up, you, a bunch of people start suddenly saying that like, you know, oh, if you like, you, you're going to have to adapt. The action games are just inherently more interesting and satisfying to play. Um, and I'm like, no, they're not. We talked about. Um, Nilligan playing Shenmue got to the warehouse district too late to do anything. Just had to wait for the bus yeah. to go back home <laughs> first time. That's um, good. and was, it was wild to just sit in this falling snow and wait for a bus to round the corner to pick me up. 
and thought it was really evocative. What are some of the most evocative moments in games for you? Like that? <laughs> yeah, like that. That's hard to top. I'll the be problem honest. is Shenmue is like one of the best games I've ever played at this exact thing. Yeah. So bit rude to other games like i've got like weird moments yeah. like you know the first time like waving at my friend in final fantasy 11 like and seeing um, our arms move in like th- time to one another and like that's really that's really good yeah i mean yeah i have like going back to the original city in gravity rush 2 that's really good um i think one of mine is when i played gravity bone realizing i'd never seen i'd never played a montage before in a video game. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, oh, we're moving through space and time through cuts while I'm playing the video game. And I've just never that's like a fundamental part of film, just never seen it in a video game before. Mm-hmm. Um, Gravity Bone, fucking great game. Uh <laughs> Joe's writes in. If you were one of the children asking <laughs> uh Rio to play a game with you, what game are you gonna ask him to play? I want to play the dots. I want to play dots seven or whatever it's called. I love that dots game. Um, it's it's ac- anachronistic, so I have to wait ten years. But I want to be playing pogs with uh, Pogs. With Rio. <laughs> they need to make Shenmue has to keep going until it gets to the nineties, and I need Rio to get like uh, he has to buy a slammer to fucking school no, the I kids. Do, at pogs. God damn! What were the things that we had? They were the the uh, um, they were they were the little spinny top guys that you could make fight. That we had back in the eighties. Oh my god, I know what you're talking about. They're not Beyblade. They're like not precursor to Beyblade. Beyblade so. before Beyblade. Yeah, before my um, time, I know Beyblades. Yeah, um, there is just a thing called Battling Tops, but that's from the sixties. That's not Battle Strikers. Is that, is that what you're thinking of? No, that's two thousand nine. Definitely not Battle Strikers. I can't. Yeah, I, I can't, can't find remember it. what they um, were. But they were awesome. Could be Wizard with three Z's. Like W-I-Z-Z-Z-E-R. What the fuck was going on in the 80s? Oh, yeah, let's go by the Wizard. I so Literally, someone asked this question on um, on Reddit, and this was the only answer they got and seemed like it might be one of the, the, the things. No, I'm going sure. to I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so... I remember Wizards, though. I remember Wizards. It wasn't Wizards. Okay. But they you, they had little dudes. They were little characters. Um uh they, God, they were like like the, the the guts or the muscle figures, but like they they had little personalities and you put them in a little uh God, it looked almost like a like a like a vape pen and then you twisted them a bunch and then you'd like push the button and like they'd drop into their little arena and they'd slam into each other because it was fucking Beyblade. Um but they were sick. Okay. Yeah, well, if you someone know, knows, let me know because I don't remember anymore. <laughs> um, Oscar writes in, as old Giant Bomb fans, I think you're familiar with Jeff Gerson's vocal distaste for three games in particular, Shenmue, Majora's Mask, and Yoshi's Island. He also really didn't like Outer Wilds. I think you enjoy your love all three of these. In parentheses, maybe not Yoshi's Island. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Yoshi's Island fucking rips. I love yeah. Yoshi's Island. Always have. Um, it's okay. The the obvious common thread with these is time management. I don't think Yoshi's Island's a time management game, I'll be honest with you. Um, but he really liked Persona 4. <laughs> what else he do you <laughs> think makes what do you think makes a game a not a Gerstman ass game? Uh I don't think you can allow Persona 4 to be in any way He played that game into such specific circumstances that yes, I don't think, I, like he would not have enjoyed Persona 4 at home. I feel pretty confident. No, he would have he would have been like, this thing's stupid and quit after 90 minutes. Absolutely. Um, 
that I, I will allow Persona 4 to really, like, manipulate my guess here. Uh, so it's a parasocially guess about what 2008 Jeff would hate, I guess. Um, I have it's no specifically, idea. what do you think makes a game a the antithesis of a Gerstmann ass game? Being good? Um... <laughs> He doesn't. He, he does. Yeah, like I, I, good I games. have no. Um, I think. I think. I think he's. I think he hates uh, slow games. That's, he that's hates boring. Mist also, guy hates Mist. Um, I, I, I think the uh, especially in the giant bomb. I, I'm. I, I still listen to Gusman occasionally, but not as much. I'm. I'm kind of arguing with a tw- tw- twelve years ago <laughs> ghost of a guy at this point. Yes. Um, but definitely uh, liked games that were like felt good like polished systems wise like was always complaining about the japanese games of that era when they were like modular and annoying and like didn't have the controls right right this is the thing mm. that i remember from my giant now i gotta look days. up jeff gersman on tecmo's uh, deception see if there's anything there um i think that has actually changed somewhat as like the because that was the like going consensus of 2008 games journalism that i think yes. has swung around a lot in the last uh, 15 years yeah um but definitely at the time i think those were like the things that were most annoying. Yeah, I think Jeff just likes games where you're doing stuff, or the the time to doing stuff is yes. very low. Yes, I think that I think that literally trumps everything. The man hates Mist but loves Fez. Like I don't know what to do with that, other than Fez, you immediately start jumping around solving puzzles. Yeah. Also, we're all contradictory beings. Yeah. Sometimes I hate absolutely. things. Sometimes I like things. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> Giant bomb isn't that 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 like like that is just it's a period of time where I did not care about video games at all. So I have no conception. I listened to more Giant Bomb than I was able to play video games for like the, that right. entire period. I feel like that explains everything about my teenage years. Um, Alex asked us a question that is so large, but we should spend a little bit of time on it. Um, I was wondering how much your audience might have no idea what it was be- like back in 2010 to 2015. Would, would you please talk about what being in the games culture was like <laughs> oh, when a mapping that, started? Yeah. <laughs> I guess you were kind of out by the you came in in twenty sixteen. I was like right? I was like uh, listening to things and playing with like playing on the Vita in like twenty fourteen and like that was my entry, my dipping my toe back in and watching Gamergate happen and going, Jesus, this sucks. But you know, some of these people are writing really good shit. <laughs> yeah, so we we start this up pre Gamergate, right? I think it's important to know when the yes. era is like the dominant um I would say the dominant cultural like touchstones were like uh, YouTube wasn't really there yet. It was the few old employed game journalists that still had it, like it was 2006. Um, but here's the thing is like the it's a little different for me because I was into more varied things than you. Right. Like because yes. like I think of by the time we started the the one up apocalypse had already shaken out. And most of the people who were going to get jobs had already gotten jobs. So it reestablished a sort of like stability where the one up stuff that I had really vibed with had kind of diffused into multiple sites. Mm-hmm. Um and the people doing coverage of that sort of stuff had like continued. Um, but I would just like listen to thumbs, right. Which comes out of Shack news, which comes out of like a PC gamer sort of mentality, um, which is like very antithetical to like, I was watching, re- listening to retronauts. Retronauts is all console shit. It's all Japan. And idle thumbs. It was the first people who I heard talk about computer games, Western games specifically in ways that were intelligent, <laughs> i.e. not Jeff Gerstmann. <laughs> Um, well, I, I don't have this exact like line, but I guess I get um, it. But and and that was the thing. Like it was looking at Idle Thumbs, and then Bioshock Infinite came out. We were in. T- I was on Twitter. You were on Twitter. We were on Twitter well, yeah, reading the- articles because mm-hmm. like the reviews hit, and everyone went. 
that doesn't seem right. <laughs> and then everyone played it. Uh, and then immediately went, no, that definitely is not right. Everyone was wrong about this one. And the, one, uh, the wave of articles came out at the time. Uh, the, po- the people who didn't get review copy lambasting Bioshock Infinite for all the things that everyone knows about Bioshock Infinite now. Um, and we, we both played it. And I was like, I remember a game. I read boxed it. It's the only game I ever read boxed. Only time I think I've ever used red box. <laughs> I remember, I remember, um, driving to Dairy Queen on the phone with you mm-hmm. talking about, uh, how is Chris Remo at the time working uh, at, uh, what's it called? The, the place Irrational? going to spin the fact that I know that this man is not going to like what Bioshock Infinite is. <laughs> and he was very politely talking around it on the episode. <laughs> uh, it's really funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the thing I was kind of playing to. Like, you had that, like, uh, I feel like there was a, even though, like, game journalism had still started, begun, to, it, the dying had begun, really it had begun, right? Uh, but sure. it was a slow, gradual process, and it was still, like, es- es- established as, like, there were the salaried games critics who were uh, respected and would give Bioshock Infinite a 10 out of 10, and then there was, like, the growing, um, I don't even, grow, I don't even, I think, this, I think 2013, 2014 is the peak of it, it was, like, the, like, alternative like blog area yeah. uh of responding this to this is like this is like uh maddie bryce and yes. uh lana plonsky and austin walker all come out of this era we come out of the same era we come so. out of the same era yeah yeah that's us as well um and so i remember that being the era of like starting and like also this is when like um steam and itch.io are like taking off as like you can maybe maybe we're about to completely change things and no we were not um but I remember there being like a, a optimistic energy to this that now Steam seems was hilarious. But it was hard to get on Steam. It was it was really like once because it wasn't it wasn't um because like you put stuff on like uh game jolt or whatever yes. and it was just like a download. It was really the idea that you, people would pay you five dollars for a downloadable game, um, which I, I feel like is like a 2010. Like that's when the switch started to really kick off, like yes. right around the, the turn of the decade. Um, But like. Itchio starting out as like I would say a Bandcamp equivalent, um, yeah. As like this area where people were talking about like these smaller, interesting games in different scenes that were building out. Sure. Like I just I just think of the the store that was around before Itchio, whose yes. name I forget that we all used, and it's gone away. It's shuttered since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it had a client, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, but it, it was it was a I would say a overly optimistic uh, era. Uh, pre Gamergate of like this, this like countercultural uh, games area. Where people are talking about smaller games and doing like tearing down the big ones, um, and then Gamergate happened and it fucking sucked for everyone. And I just feel like it just grabbed. I don't think anything happened to it other than time, right? Like uh, some people got jobs, most people didn't. Um, and if you don't get jobs, you stop. You mostly stop. There's no real incentive to hang around. You get harassed. I mean, you don't get the much money. fundamental thing for this is not this is aside from Gamergate. This would have happened anyway, is uh, Google killing RSS. Just ruined blogs. Everyone moved to YouTube. And yeah. if you didn't move to YouTube, you got a job at a site. And if you didn't do that, you left video games. I guess that's the other thing. Is like, writing is dead. It's fucking dead. <laughs> writing is dead. It, the people still do it. There are still people doing it well. Uh, but as like, you compare it to what it was, it is, it is dead. But, uh, something has fundamentally yes. changed. From, from 2004 to whenever Google killed Google Reader, I would wake up in the morning and check my RSS feed. <laughs> And see what had dropped in the intervening like twelve hours since I last checked my RSS feed. 
And, it, and with the Bioshock Infinite, like Bioshock Infinite, I vividly remember, like, someone, like, the game would hit, right? And someone would write a blog, and someone else would respond to that blog with a different blog. And these blogs would be in conversation. I was a little late for this because I was not, I was like, you know, uh, 10 in 2005 when the fucking actual blogosphere or whatever is happening. Um, yeah. But the Google Reader, Twitter version of this was still, I would say, uh, thriving. Like, you know, it was a big deal to get onto Critical Distance back in the day. And Critical Distance is still going, but like, it's fighting, it's got to fight real hard uh, because the, the world's changed and everything's on YouTube now. Um, yeah and that's not to say people aren't doing the work and doing the writing there's a lot of writing being done uh and it's still good it just means that like methods of getting that in front of people's faces are exponentially harder than they were uh a decade ago yeah. the attention isn't there the money was never there the money was the never secret. there yes, no, yes it was always uh 21 year olds uh, who were too poor doing this for a little while that was always that was always true yeah it fucking sucks out here uh and it's just very weird that we managed to look into getting a patreon that kind of took off enough about something else it was a fucking our fucking anime podcast that did it um, um the video game star i was thinking of was desera god you're wow. right <laughs> for the um which is which uh yeah that's where i would buy indie games um it, it closed in 2015 man i remember desera jesus yeah yeah yeah, that's where you go, pre-itch. It's just, it just, I still think of itch as kind of new, even though when I go to itch now, I'm like, oh, you haven't been touched in so many years, you're useless now. Uh, this is what it means to be old. Yeah. Shut up, Jackson. <laughs> itch launched March 2013. Itch is almost as old, or is a little older than I'm normal mapping. So. It's true. God. Um, but yeah, uh, but was, yeah, really, it was just there was a lot more. I feel like there were more critics engaging with more work, but also it was weird because like it's not that video games video games have gotten smaller in a lot of ways, but every video game is such a bigger like consolidation of a certain like audience that it feels it feels weird. It feels like uh, you you get a beat in a way that like I never been interested in, and most I think most critics were not interested. in. Yeah, I don't think it's true that there's like less criticism happening i don't think that's true i think it's become more siloed uh i think the youtube switch especially not just to video but like the algorithm says you have your one thing and you put out a video on that topic or no one fucking watches it so get to yeah. get to making the right you know if you if you get a final fantasy video that hits up you make final fantasy videos now that's what you fucking do or you don't get seen um so 99 percent of people are gonna fall in line because that's just how youtube works uh, it takes longer to make a video um yeah to be fair that's how that's how all the websites work now uh not just youtube but yes that's true and twitter was like the last place you could kind of like an article could blow up and you would like read it and now that's dead like elon musk killed that instantly um so i'm a bit anxious about our future (laughs) uh i think we're fine for now but i don't know how how anyone new is ever going to find this podcast again i'm kind of anxious about that well people should uh share the podcast whenever you get a chance that's all i'm saying it's not as if it's not as if your 20,000 followers are what, who listened to Abnormal Mapping. It never was that. It was Austin liked our Gundam podcast and really promoted us. That's yep. literally how we blew up. That's true. It's fake. I mean, <laughs> the yes, numbers are fake. They always numbers have Numbers are been. always fake. Um, but uh, the, like, connections aren't, right? Like, the, the knowing people isn't fake. That's always the thing. That, it's yes. luck and knowing people. Always was, and we are yeah. very transparent about that. We uh, blew up because we had people slightly more famous than us give words, like, put the word out uh yeah that's usually how most people get their traction we just we just have the the problem where we we're outliving a lot of the famous people we knew <laughs> and not like actual living but like austin's not doing criticism anymore he's he's like that's still not around entirely true <laughs> you know what i mean though 
Austin is you are listening to Austin Walker do criticism every week on your but phone. Not on video games. Yeah, that's true. I guess he's playing Kotor right now. I guess that's I guess. a lark. But also, Austin's not writing that's criticism but you anymore. Did, yeah, yeah. But I think I think of the podcasts that started when we did that are all gone. Yeah. They're all fucking gone. A lot um, of the critics that we still that we knew that started around the same time as us left games or now work in games. Um, it's just not it's not a beat that you live in forever. And I just want to do criticism podcast forever. I never wanted to be in games. That sounds like hell. <laughs> um, yeah, that was never like our goal. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah. I feel weird about it. I, I some, occasionally feel like that I've somehow this has been a massive failure uh, and everything I've done with the normal mapping is a waste of time. Um, because like, because of how friends who have succeeded in my eyes is succeeding is being able to pivot out and escape. <laughs> yeah, I, this is the difference between you and me is I've always had a day job and my goal was to make a podcast where I got to play a video game a month and talk about it. And I've continued to do that. We'll continue to do that as long as it makes sense. Yeah, I've seen people like parlay this into like a real career and it never happened for me. So now I'm just doing, this is just what I'm doing this for most of my life. I've got to just, I guess, do the hustle forever, uh, which is fine. I feel like I'm, I try to remind myself, I'm relatively lucky. The Gundam has been successful enough. You know, I'm okay. Uh, yeah. It could have gone way worse. Um, but I definitely do get like, you know, you get jealous sometimes. You get, you, that's what it's like. We're all in, it sucks. We're all forced to like compete for the like two jobs that are now all gone anyway. Yeah, uh, by not ever wanting this, I, I don't. I thankfully dodge this. I don't, I'm not. I'm not jealous of people in games because they're still in games and they all have a bad time. I don't want. I don't want to have to write about Spider Man Two ever in my life. I don't have to, so I don't. That's the thing I tell myself is when I think about like <laughs> in 2021, I was really making a push. I was like, I need a fucking job. Everything is bad. I need this. I need a secure job, full time job as well. And I tried to get some. Just nothing panned out in games. Like there was nothing. Um, yeah. And I tried to tell myself that like we wouldn't have made you happy. Like. I mean, I guess maybe you'd have been able to move out and you do want to move out. That's a thing you would love to do and you basically are not able to do that due to my life. Yeah. Um, but at least I have a place to stay uh, and I'm not currently writing news articles for Lad Bible. So <laughs> I was waiting for you to pause so I could make a joke about you working for Lad Bible and then you just, you just yeah, it's, it's the reality. You just tweeted out. You just tweeted out. I just like, I mean, those were like the places, right? Like, you, and yeah. I would have done it. I would have yeah. done it. I would have done, done, done my best. I would have tried. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that would have made me happy, right? The dream job version of this doesn't exist anymore if it ever did. Well, here's, here's the thing is, like, when we started, I, would st I was the person on Twitter who would go and tweet at the Polygon editors that they're not doing a good enough job. Not that I want to do their job. I would never want to do the job of a Polygon editor. But if you fucking care about the video games, write better articles about the games, ask better questions, think deeper. And you can't do that and be someone who has to publish articles every day. That's true. I, I do fundamentally often, believe yeah. that it just doesn't work. Uh, you can't do both. I mean, um, I know the way we are on this podcast and also on Twitter, we have made some enemies. I don't know how many because we're not like talking to them. We're not connected enough to know when we've burned a bridge, really. Yeah, I'm, also, I'm also not starting beefs on Twitter, period. No, but we used, you know, you had yes. a, <laughs> the thing I was specifically referencing that we can say now, because uh, he will ever be relevant again, uh, is you having a Twitter fist fight with Phil Collar about the Polygon sidebar. I was, I was, I was like, why does every Polygon review have the fucking diversity sidebar where you talk about how it treats women or brown people or my, like queer people? And Phil Kohler swearing to me on his life that there's no such thing as the Polygon diversity sidebar. And I was <laughs> I like, you're out of it. your mind. Look at every fucking review you do. Um, uh, and then he didn't write another review. Yeah, and, he replaced uh, the sidebar with me away. briefly. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's been uh, a weird the, time. These are these are the arguments you got in pre-gamergate when uh, you could, everyone had to not talk about that sort. You had to just like support the work because the work was in opposition to like the awful people like bashing down the door to get rid of talking about women in the first place. This still ha- literally still happens. Still this happening. still happens still with happening. every Kotaku yeah. article that sucks, right? Because yeah. like not that every. Uh, there are good ones, but I mean, like, when there is a shitty Kotaku article, you have the, the article goes out, you have a few people criticizing it for real reasons, then you have another bunch of people who are still fighting a decade old war for well, some reason. Is, when the Kotaku article fucking sucks, I talk about it privately, or I talk about it in the Discord, which is not private, but like everyone who comes in there understands our politics. And if you come in, it's a fucking communist Discord where we talk like about things, <laughs> you right. know? But, like, um, you can't do criticism of... Because, first of all, everyone there is earning nothing and is about to be shut down by private equity any day. Like, it, it, yes. it, mean, like, it feels a little mean to yell at the, like, 22-year-old who's getting paid nothing to write 10 articles a day. Like, the, just the media landscape is so fucking brutal that, like... Th- there, even a decade ago, there was a... It was, it was, it was better. It wasn't good. Yeah. It wasn't, you know... It, wasn't, it was never like, oh, yeah, media, what a great career. Uh, but it was definitely better than it is now. Um, so the, like, dynamics are a little different. But then also you still have people just doing, like, oh, look at... I listen... I watch YouTubers with, like, 200,000 subs say, like, the games journalism... Or the games journalists were, like, this about this. And But then, like, you mean one IGN review? Like, did... That that class is gone. That the the gatekeeper games journalist with power do not exist anymore. There's like some legacy sites around. They're still doing reviews, but like the YouTube key holds up this idea that it's still 2012 to like frame itself as like the counterculture. It's not. You're yeah. the culture now. You're the fucking man. You're that's you. You're talking about yourself. Um, it's weird. It's weird. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, the one the one other like aside of this that uh, ropes Dia back into it is uh, friends with Danica. Uh, formerly of uh, Waypoint, a former yeah. Waypoint. Um, we've had on VoIP life. I remember Danica going, I thought you hated me because you would just like tweet at Waypoint whenever we fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at one point, Dia was like, you need to get an alt. You can't just take yes. fights on Twitter. It, you always say that was Dia. It was both of us. I remember talking to Dia like, we have to get out an alt. It was both of us. I want to be included in the narrative. Not, it, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. You would not have succeeded on your own. <laughs> no, that's why I went to fucking Dia. I tried. I told. I'm saying that I was deliberately, on purpose, got Dia involved in this. That's how it went down because I was helping. Well, Dia gets full credit. <laughs> you get zero. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. And hang on. Dia was like, "You need to get an alt. You need to stop being angry on Maine. Uh, it's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself. You're not helping anybody." It's true. The funny thing was the no, conversation that I had, the back channeling Jackson about. You really need to tell him to get an all and 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 Jackson being like, I can't, I can't do that. And I was like, fine, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, you were yeah. right. You couldn't have done it, <laughs> especially in 2016. I bet no, I could convince you now. I bet I could. I could. Convince- I bet you. Look, the thing. Okay, this is this is not about any of this because it hasn't really happened. But if you have friends that you trust and they tell you you're wrong. Like, put down the phone, stop it, you're embarrassing yourself, you have to do it. Otherwise, you, you've lost that friend forever. They're not your homies anymore. And it's your fault. You need to fucking listen when people tell you to put down your phone. Yeah. More people need people in their lives to tell them to put down their fucking phones. Um, yeah. It doesn't happen often, but there are, like, there are definitely no. people where, like, if someone crosses, if one of my friends crosses a line, I will be like, I'm not... This isn't like an art. I'm not like giving you friendly advice, right? Like this is the thing that you cash in your friendship for is you say this, this is the matters. I'm pulling out all the stops. I will stop you posting. Yes. Um, and really I don't matters. think I knew that in 2016. I knew I was intimidated by and uh, greatly respected Dia. Um, 
And that's what did it. <laughs> and not my belief in the power of homies telling you things. Um, no, but it is important to have homies to tell you when to stop. Are you? Am I saying that in the intervening seven years I respect Jackson more? Absolutely not. <laughs> Don't put that in my mouth. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the last abnormal mapping. <laughs> Ten years of uh, excellence. Another day uh, more. <laughs> No, I, you know, I don't know. This has gone on for three hours and we're punchy. We have one more email from Olivia that's about uh, dream projects from creators that destroy companies. I can't think of one off the top of my head, though, is the problem. Um, are there dream projects from creators that you wish were more appreciated? I could get a sequel in the future. Does anyone have any one of those? I guess is my question. <sighs> yeah, I know it's hard. Um, I after having done this RPG list, I wish uh, Nier Gestalt was more appreciated. Oh, I'd love a sequel to Nier. I desperately want to go. I want to go in to the ultimate universe. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the machine. We're going to the universe. Final Fantasy Versus 13 came <laughs> out in 2011, and it's mid, and it's mid, and we can all go home. It wasn't even going to be that oh, good. That'd be beautiful. <laughs> I would love that so much. It was just kind of, and it wasn't like as good as Kingdom Hearts 2. It had some cool aesthetics, but it was like, you know, it was just it was just another one of those games that just happened to like run into development yeah. issues. It ran like shit for sure. Yeah, it uh, ran like shit for sure. But like, it is held out as mythical uh, when uh, there's no need it to be. That uh, that other people at Square made other games in the same time period. Um, I bet if Versus 13 had come out as intended, it would still have been like decent. I'm not like a hater on it, uh, but I don't think it would have been the mythical savior of all things Final Fantasy that were falling apart around it that some people frame it as. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you were talking to me yesterday and I hadn't thought about it yet, but uh, and this didn't actually come out. So it's not like a sequel to a game that just never realized or whatever about N64 Mother 3. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. As, yes. as a Shenmue like. Yeah, because I think I like uh, I was looking at them and I think about uh, Shenmue being cut into a million parts. And like, oh, both of these games were the same, like just unthinkable levels of ambition for a 3D game. And uh, Mother 3 got out by tapping, like just leaving and canceling it and becoming a 2d game yeah um but shamu kind of like made that real on some level <laughs> yes still making it real to be determined how real it will ever be now shamu's the realest one of I, all i really can't wait for like to see the progression for for you two through two and three uh that's that that's going to be the real treat for me it's um, weird because like agree. i i know i know two's in hong kong i've seen I've, the one thing I've seen from Shenmue 2 that I was talking to Jackson about the other day that like just blows my mind was it was like a, I think it was a gif maybe of Ryo getting into an elevator and then taking the elevator somewhere doesn't matter but it was like it was like maybe an apartment building or something but the idea that you would go to a place big enough to need an elevator to ascend floors sounds unfathomable it given what we've played very, so far very interesting um, the the and the idea that I'm awed by an elevator mm-hmm. is in itself remarkable. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm very curious. And I'll be yeah. real. I, I don't know um, necessarily know that two or three is as successful as one. Um, I, I don't think yeah, that three I, is as I successful as one. I think there's a very real one, chance I, I come out. But I think three is its, its own very interesting thing. Two, I don't remember well enough at all yeah. because it's been... I am, I am not concerned, but I think there's a good chance I come out of Shenmue 2 going, that was great, but it yeah. didn't hit like Shenmue did. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, I don't know what you do when, like, he is a, he actually is an outsider in this town. Um, yeah. Like, the part where 
it's not going to be like you sadly losing all of your friendships as you do this quest. It's just going to be the quest. I'm like, what do you like? What, what what's the like stuff in the middle there? I'm very curious to see. I'm you get to also experience yeah. um, everyone sending in emails, making lucky hit jokes. Oh, no, we already, already, already were. We didn't read any of those fucking things because guess what's <laughs> yeah. not in Shenmue One? No. Lucky hit, <laughs> fake fans. If you listen for three hours, I'm calling you out. Fake fans. You know who you are. Not That's the thing you play in China. With famous people, but we'll start beef with people on honest <laughs> emailers. Look, if they've listened to Abnormal Mapping for 151 episodes, they know that I only beef out of love. I don't. I guess that's true. I just told you I didn't respect you any more than I did seven years ago. <laughs> that's not even true. I mean, is that it's definitely right? not true. It's definitely not true. Which I feel bad about because I'm like, you, you respected me less seven years ago? But I just... <laughs> I was in such a shittier place as a person seven years ago. Yes. I respected everybody less seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, the, saying it out loud makes it seem weirder than it is. It's just a, it's just a shift of chilling. Chilling. The chilling has increased. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway... That's the end of the questions. If you have emails again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, next month, uh, we are doing a grab bag uh, because people love them. We haven't done one this year. I wanted to do one. We picked some games. Um, we've picked four games. Me, I picked two. Jackson picked two. We will announce who picked what next month. I, I just think it's funny to make people guess. If you want to guess, um, go ahead. Um First game is Beton Brutal, which is a Minecraft in like mechanics inspired climbing game about climbing up a like ruin. Um, it's one of those like getting up style games. Um, Not getting up, getting over it. Getting over no, yeah, getting over it. That's the one. Is that the one? No, that's the Bennett Foddy one. What's the one where it's just climb up, go up, only up. Getting up only is up. Mark Echoes getting up content under pressure. The right. Brutal is is closer to an only up than it is a getting over it. Yeah, it's like if someone put the uh, Minecraft parkour physics in like a game that's just about platforming and not was also. Minecraft. I played a little bit of this this morning. It is st- it is straight up the Minecraft movement mechanics. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Red Lantern, which is a narrative roguelike like about being a dog sled racer. Supposedly, it's like two hours long. It's like a Metal Gear game. Um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's uh, it's written by um um Ashley Birch. Also. Oh, cool. Um, we're playing Inertial Drift and its DLC, um, which is the twin stick car drifting video game. That's true. And Silent Bomber, the 1999 uh, CyberConnect PlayStation action game where you blow yourself up. You yeah, blow yourself up if you're doing it right. <laughs> you lay mines. And blow yourself up. Uh, you've played Silent Bomber before. I have not. Uh, neither of us finished it, so. <laughs> well, yes, I haven't played it before, so. Um, and those those are the games we are not we are not guaranteeing we will have finished Baton Brutal because it's uh, supposedly very hard. Um, yes, no, the, do not expect either of us to go up to the top on that one. I would like to have finished the other games though, like their main campaigns yeah. at least. Yeah, Red Lantern's two hours. I think I'll probably finish that one. So, um, those are the four games. Uh, not any guests. We're just going to be doing that. Um, in December, we will be playing Final Fantasy 15 with our friend Molly, a long awaited, much delayed video game. Um, we will be playing the main game and its DLCs. Uh, for the record, we will not be rewatching Kingsclave, which we've both seen. We will not be rewatching Brotherhood, which I've seen. I think, did you watch any of Brotherhood, Jackson? Um, no, but I will, I will be watching Brotherhood. Okay. Well, good luck with that. It fucking sucks. Yeah, I know um, what's in it and I don't like it, but I, I will. <laughs> 
catch. I'm not going to rewatch Kingsglaive, but I will yeah. do all the pre-game things and then the post-game things. Um, and then the book will not be covered on that episode because Molly refuses to read the book and she has her personal freedom. We will read that and probably cover it on a VoIP live or something. So yeah, I'll probably be on the bonus podcast. So if you don't pay yeah. extra, you won't get us going. Wow, this book fucking sucks. That like we're almost certainly going to go. I own it, but I haven't read it because I just I just it gives off an ominous aura. It seems it like it sucks. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a the book about what they would have the done with the DLCs that got cancelled. Yeah, wow. it's like as a narrative. That's... Um, yeah. And the DLC is all like response to... That's a thing to do. Ending, so uh, I, I'm i very curious what that's going to be like. I do yeah. vaguely know the shape of the ending of 15 because I know a lot about that game. I'm very curious to see how it all like clicks into place when I play it. Yeah. Uh, that is a weird one in that I've played it like two years ago and think it's one of the best Final Fantasies. Excited so. about that though. Um, Love it. Oh, what if I'm a hater? What if there's a real finally a true Then me Final and Molly are going to kick the shit out of you for two hours and you'll live, but it'll be kind of bad. <laughs> we haven't I had could... a true Final Fantasy schism. It's never really I think, happened. I think you won't like it as much as me. I think you will be totally in. You will think the same things I do about where it sits in like the mechanical evolution of Final Fantasy video games in that uh, no lessons were learned coming out of it uh, in making. Re- well, some in remake, but definitely none in 16. Fucking. Ugh. Anyway, um, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Fine. Yeah. Dia, um, where can people that- find you? On the- oh, sorry. No, no, I was just saying, uh, we normally don't know, announce so far in advance, but that one's been in the hopper for a while. Yes. Um, and I don't know what we're doing between then and when we do Rebirth and Yeah, we got March. two We got two open slots. We just got to find some games, do some gaming. We promise they will not be huge, long 50-hour video games for Jackson's sake and my sake and everyone else's sake. Yeah, well, I'll let you know how um, uh, a month of Silent Bomber uh, fucks up my wrists. Uh, we'll see how yeah. it goes. Okay, now you can do the thing. Dia, what are your uh, you plugs can find me plugs. everywhere at Dia I keep it real easy. Um, plug Dia into a social media platform. You'll find it. Uh, especially you can find me on Patreon at Dia and YouTube at Dia where you, the at is required for YouTube. Um, God, yeah. YouTube fucking sucks. Oh, yeah, the URL is stupid. But um, yes. go there. Go watch me and M play Flower, Sun, and Rain um, on Monday. Uh, if you go there, like, you know, but if you go there with the time this is out, um, you can actually like watch me play uh, the most recent episode of Dark Souls, which will be great. Yeah, That's Dark good. Souls three, baby! I'm actually coming around on it. It's a, a Christmas miracle. Yeah, the best no. Dark Souls. You can also go watch me and Dia play. Yeah, you can uh, also watch Gabriel Knight too. Gabriel Knight too. You can time. watch us play all of the space quests up through mm. the mm. sixth demo. Mm. I don't know about that uh, one. And increasingly become uh, unhinged at how much we hate it. I can't think of two people who are more differently, like have bigger gaps in disposition as to how we both of us approach Souls games. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> If you watch me playing um, Dark Souls 3, you've been horrified. I like, just literally run past every enemy to get to the boss and then fight the boss with No, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to have a conversation about, you know, wall textures for an hour. Oh, here was the fucking kingdom, the whatever, and it implies the god did this. Oh, I'm going to fight the guy. That's me. That's me. Me and Dia do this, but for like remembering parts of life because the games we play don't require <laughs> us to talk about the fucking wall textures. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you have convinced me to... Um, play Flowers and Rain. I need to go actually play that game. I was going to say, you could just watch us play it. No! Then you could learn deep history about, you could learn deep lore about me and M. 
of what don't I know already? Yeah, I'm already friends with You might not Buffy. know the lore that well, secret there's secret lore in the, in the videos. That's why everyone needs to go watch the Flower, Sun, and Rain Let's Play Is fucking there secret trial. Lore videos? I don't know. I don't know if there's secret lore for yeah. Jackson, of all people. I'm going to say, I've talked to him a lot. Maybe more you than anyone else. You might be missing secret lore for me. I don't know if that's it's true. actually true. I don't know if that's true. It's, it's definitely not true with, with, with Destiny, but I'm like, I do call you most days after work. That's a lot. That's a lot of chatting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Jackson plugs. Yeah, you can find me at Headfalls Off on uh, Twitter and Blue Sky and co host, depending on whatever is up at any given time. Uh, you can find the podcast we do at abnormalmapping.com, a whole bunch of other podcasts. Uh, don't have the movie ones running right now on account of uh, the strike still going and probably will be going for the next six months. Um, so. <laughs> I'm not going to reference the bad tweet. I'm not. I'm not. I almost did. I was like, no, I'm not going to. The what? joke about fucking ben affleck calling Fran drescher to end the strike uh, stupid yes. anti-union propaganda going around today uh, i didn't know what you were talking about and uh, yes by the time this podcast came out that is so forgotten that'll be ancient history so yes, yeah there was a bad tweet on the day we were recording um because they're pumping out that uh anti-union it was a bad propaganda. instagram post that turned into a bad tweet for the record yes uh but anyway uh that's where you can find me and the podcast we do um there's a whole bunch of other cool ones though you should go check them out you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being, where I'm probably not tweeting very much because I have been still recovering from this COVID shit. It's a real nightmare. Don't get COVID. Try your best. Wear a mask. Things like that. I did all those things and I still got it. Sometimes it's out of your hands, but um, that's it. If you would like to support us, you can do that at patreon.com. mapping For $1 a month, you get the great Gundam project. Every Wednesday, we are watching Gundam Double O and Rose of Versailles. We are returning to that to, uh, this time, this week. After last week, we did a pilot draft with our friends Neve, Six, and Austin, which was great fun. Uh, listen to that. Listen to the Double O season, because Gundam Double O seems like it's fucking good. Good um, show. Good anime. For $5, you get me playing Pharmacy Tactics uh, most Sundays. I think I'm actually going to take a take a week off this week because uh, this podcast has worn me the fuck out. Um, I Hopefully everyone understands uh, when you listen to this. Be like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> when M said they weren't doing it this week, five days ago. Oh, um, now that I see the podcast is three hours and 15 minutes long, I understand how this exactly happened. <laughs> um, and for $10, you get VoIP Life every two weeks, where last VoIP Life, me and Jackson sat down and looked at Edge's 100 best games of the last 30 years list they put in their 30th anniversary issue. It was a bad fucking list, let me tell you, friends. It was terrible. And we were, um, we, we were very rude to the list, to the point of being not called out, but we were... The challenge was laid down. It was like, you shit on these lists. You, you read these lists, these hard working lists, and you call them bad. So it is our time to... Do, we, we're coming in next week. Yeah. Gotta- Upcoming VoIP in two in a week from where this comes up, uh, we will be covering uh, our own top 100 lists. Yes. I, I already wanna... wrote mine out. I haven't ordered it yet, but I did write down 100 video games. And I didn't even, I didn't even duplicate franchises. That's, wow. that's my challenge that's... to myself. And I do want to say that my list is going to be significantly worse because I've just not played as many games. And as you them. will duplicate franchises. There's all, I feel like you'd have a really hard time getting to 100 otherwise, I think. I, I can do it without, but I, I will have, I'll, we'll see. I, I will definitely have to do something different to you. Uh, well, here's I the thing is, the I wrote mine knowing that you're going to put two or three Metal Gears in your top 100, and I only had to put one. Um, I, and not, it's not Metal Gear Solid 1. I'm going to send mine in as an email to you um, through emojis. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> great it's gonna be a nightmare sounds like a fucking nightmare um but yeah we have to we have to we've been dunking everyone else's list so long now it's time someone dunking our lists 
Um, if you'd like to hear me talk about other video games, I do that on my podcast called Around the Longfire at uh, abnormalmapping.com slash longfire with my friend Neve, which is a podcast that was originally about Icelandic sagas, is now about the Nibelungen lead for a little while until we read some other stuff. Uh, mostly like a classics literature podcast, but that's about like 30% of it by volume. And then the rest of it is us talking about memory and being young and video games mostly at this point, because we can't talk about movies because of struck work stuff. Um, it's also about movies. It will be about movies again when the movies happen. Um, but we do talk a lot about RPG design in the upcoming the episode that will already be out. Um, as you listen to this, it came out on Wednesday. Um, so yeah, please listen to that podcast if you haven't. I think it's really good. It's a very chill hangout show. You don't have to read the books. Um, yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. It's been yeah. 10 years. We'll hopefully be going in another 10 years. Fingers crossed. No disasters befall us. Our friendship's over. Um, I told Jackson a long time ago we could keep doing the podcast if we stopped being friends, and Jackson was so horrified. Uh, but the offer's still on the table. I mean, I guess we would, because it's both of our jobs. Like, <laughs> the, 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 the just, just money-wise, like, it would ruin the super best friends aren't friends anymore. It, that's all. Um, um, <laughs> but, uh... If you've ever listened and enjoyed the podcast and you're listening to this, thank you for all of that. Uh, we do appreciate it. Thank you for ever writing in. Thank you for telling anybody about the podcast. Maybe think about doing it for this episode. I think this episode's pretty good. Um, and we'll see you next time and many other times in the future because video games won't stop. And even when they do, we have a lot of a backlog left. <laughs> they could start tomorrow. We wouldn't have to stop the podcast. It'd no, actually we'd be never have to bit... stop the podcast. It'd, be so It'd much make easier. our lives much easier. Yes. <laughs> We wouldn't have to deal with like upcoming video games and news and it was just done. We just, video games oh, existed. If they cancel video games between 7 Remake 2 and 3 coming out, <laughs> that'd be perfect. I love that. Oh, the Unknown Journey God. does not continue. Yeah. We'll never have to play a Zack. Oh, no, thank you're God. playing a Zack. You're playing a Zack on they an abnormal mapping. Um, they better. Yeah, we're going to make this happen. No, we're not. We're not. We're never doing Crisis Core. You can't. Make, I've already played it twice. Why have you played Crisis Core twice? twice? Why, Why did you play Crisis Core twice? I it got remastered. It, it got remastered. I and then the you played the remaster version. Yes. You're so fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know when you said you. Hey, hey. Can I check back in on the um, comment about you respecting me more now? <laughs> well, that was before we found out you played Crisis Core twice. And knows this. I forgot. I truly forgot. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, Dia, thank, for thank sitting you with for us for three hours. Your tenth anniversary. It was a very, very fun time. This is great to have you. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
So. Oh.